This is a Locker Room Production. Episode 22 of Keeping It 200. We are officially back again. First episode since, I believe, Thursday night, I believe. Yep, Thursday night. And finally, back again. Um, Sorry about all the technical difficulties. Literally, I opened up this show and I'm literally just dropping everything. But, hey, got Blackheart in here. Black, welcome to episode 22 of... Keeping it 200, we're only 178 more away from the title's name. So how you feeling today, man? What up with you, man? What's going on? What's going on? How you doing today? Oh, not much, man. I, literally, I'm dropping stuff like, literally, I've been literally just dropping stuff, moving stuff and everything like that. And, I'm surprised that I was able to get everything done and get all these notes and stuff because literally that's what I was doing, getting all my notes and stuff ready. I had to walk the dog, literally, and get everything done. And then I was like, okay, now I think I'm officially ready for this show today. And I actually am now. And, you know, I know that we got a lot of stuff to get into before we get into three wrestling shows, Impact, SmackDown, AEW. And get into the NBA games. Uh, first thing, though, you know, that definitely wanted to start. WWE's hoping for the Rock appearance at the Brooklyn, um, New York hosted Survivor Series. Um, Blackheart, I know that you've seen this story. This was first reported by Matt Men's Andrew Zaire, as he reported that WWE's big four shows would be headlined in Brooklyn, New York. And that, you know, they were hoping that Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be involved in this. What's your thoughts on this? And do you think this this is going to happen? Or do you think that this is a big deal that isn't no deal yet? I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like a big deal on paper, but, you know, it's all about the availability of what the way the Rock Johnson is going to be available for the next few months. Um, that's going to kick into play. Um, so, it's going to be a big deal. Let's just wait this thing out. I think people just got a little bit too excited. You know, they're trying to build up to get the fans back. You know how WWE is really trying to play this whole thing out, trying to get the Dread Pack fans back the way they were it's supposed to be. And apparently, they're just trying to get whatever star power that they can. First, we're trying to see and now The Rock. Later on down the line, you might never know. Undertaker or Stone Cold can get that phone call back real quick. Hey, you want to come do a WrestleMania real quick? And you wouldn't be surprised if that happens next. So, um, 
yeah, this is yeah, this is gonna be just part of the star power rebuild to the audience again. So let's just wait and see about that. Yeah, I I have to say that same thing too. You know, you know, it it sounds like a good story on paper. It really does, but it also depends on how busy The Rock will be, you know, because I don't know if The Rock's got anything else upcoming as far as movies and stuff. I do know that, you know, they are going to be doing a season two of Young Rock. I don't know when that will start a filming and stuff, but but you don't know. Um, you know, it does sound like a good story, though, and I give this like a 10% chance because, you know, it is WWE, and this is technically their first year where they'll be back, you you know, doing that, fans and everything again, and they do want to sell out these big four pay-per-views. So, so you never, you don't know. Um, but I'm going to give it a 10% chance. I, I'm, but I wouldn't be shocked if it does not happen, though. I would not be. Um, Saturday, um, well, actually Thursday night on Impact, Tony Khan was on the Impact Wrestling show. He was literally opening up the show in what was called a summit. Um, and AEW um, president Tony Khan and Don Callis and Scott Demore were all there. And the whole point of Tony Khan being there was if it was going to be a three-way for the Impact Championship but against all odds, it does not be. So it was going to be Omega versus Moose this Saturday um, at, against all odds in Daly's place. So it's a taped match. And then the winner faces Sammy Callahan July 17th at the Slammiversary pay-per-view live on the impact um pay-per-view um and then you know they made it where sammy callahan would not be involved or the good brothers um because callahan will be teaming up with tommy dreamer in a street fight match um against the good brothers um what, what was your thoughts on and this black card when um when you found out this here you know I did see the whole Impact show, and I'll get into that in a bit. But what did you think when you heard this news? And I'm bringing in Ash now. What's up, Ash? Hey, what's up? How's it going? Ash, Catcher, you're back. That's right. <laughs> I know. I mean, we got kind of scared when you didn't come back like two like two days ago when uh, after Game Two. What was that? Yeah, that Game Two double double performance by Chris Paul and that little bet that you made. We kind of got scared that oh, no, he's probably not going to come back. Okay, it's just working. I was busy and stuff. Alright, cool. But um oh yeah, exactly. So back to that. Um It's great. It's it's great what they're trying to do. I just hope I I just hope that some T V deal can really take them more seriously than access television. I just think like you're trying to be that alternative. You can't go for a small market television and expect it to be better from that. Especially for I don't know how much money that they have and how much money that they're paying these wrestlers, but let's just I don't know. I mean I just say this summer is gonna be real interesting for multiple companies. So um you know what I'm saying? Multiple companies are going to be in for truly treats and surprises and stuff like that, especially the independents. So I'd be more shocked that we're going to see more names start popping up again. So, And all these free agents that been on air releases, as I should say. Um, now with the 60 days or 90 days to start clearing up and stuff like that, that's going to change the landscape. So I'd rather sit back and you know the little gift from Michael Jackson when he's sitting there uh, in the uh, in music video um, thriller where he's eating the popcorn? I'm that gift right now. I'd rather sit, wait for my popcorn, and just wait for all this manifesto. 
I will say that I, I, mean, I found out this news. You know, I, I'm going to get into the show in a bit, so, so I'll give my thoughts there. Ash, what was your thoughts on the news? Um, I didn't even I didn't get to hear about it, but but I think I think this should be should be interesting. Um, how about this year though? PWG announced its first show since 2019 will return August first, uh, um, I believe. Yep, August one. It'll be the first PWG show ran since 2019. Bandito is the current PWG world champion um, and was scheduled to defend his title against Jonathan Gresham at the PWG event Kobe, paying homage to Kobe Bryant in California. The Rascals, Desmond Xavier, and Zachary Wentz did hold the PWD, PWG Tag Team Championships. However, they are signed to WWE, so they are not going to be able to do that because they are MSK in NXT and holding the NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, Blackheart, um, I know that you'll probably have more to say about this than Ash, and Ash, you can if you want to, if, if you do watch PWG or have heard. Um, but what, what was your thoughts when you heard about, you know, first time we're going to have at least 250 people? At a PWG show, come on. That's going to be great for them. Um, about time, and hopefully um, this can manifest into bigger shows, and then we can start seeing them, as I said earlier, let the summer manifest itself as things slowly start to progress for each and every company. So I take that from what I previously said, piggybacking here. And New Japan, as far as the new champion go, my God, Will Osprey, why he had to injure your fucking neck? Oh, I was waiting for that. Somehow, I got let down, but keep my fingers crossed that they're going to give Will Osprey a secondary chance when he, he does heal up and come back. And hopefully, by that time period, we can be some more talent. Like maybe if God is good to us, maybe Kenny Omega can cross that bridge again and go back to New Japan. And then we can finally see some dream matches happen in on American soil that can help the TV deal. So good things to happen for New Japan right now. Good stuff. Ash, what's your thoughts on this? I think, yeah, I think it's going to help out Japan a lot. How about this year, though? AEW put tickets and dates on sale for all these shows uh, Wednesday, July 7th, the James L. Knight Center in Miami, Florida will have the AEW Road Rager, which was once Bash at the Beach, but they're not calling it Bash at the Beach because they're afraid WWE might copyright sue them. We've got Fighter Fest, um, night one, that'll be July 14th, that's at Caesar Park, Texas at Greater Austin. Night two is the next week after that, um, July 21st, that's Garland, Texas at the DW. F Metroplex and Wednesday, July 28th is Fight for the Fallen. That's at the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, which I've actually been to because, of course, I've, I live in North Carolina and such. And I feel like that's going to be their one of their big shows because if you ever hear Cody Rhodes or and these guys talk about it, you know, Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan are big, big wrestling historian men. And Cody Rhodes, um, very much like his father, Dusty, when it comes to older cities and stuff like this here because of course North Carolina used to be a big selling point for pro wrestling but that hasn't been the case since after 1985 after Jim Crockett and World Championship Wrestling you know have really not been able to really sell anything so 
you know, Cody, of course, though, definitely believes that that there's still a pro wrestling market in North Carolina. And the fight for the Fallen show is definitely going to be one of their bigger shows that they definitely push very heavily about having the big matches on this card. But um, out of these four shows, um, which one do you um, – Blackheart, start with you again. Which shows are you looking for um, out of these four, or do you think all these four are just going to be just regular AEW shows with just different theme settings? It's going to be the regular AEW shows with this special TV, um, like a TV special. You know what I mean? So, say we have the treated blood and guts, how we all argue that that should have been a pay-per-view match instead, but we got a television special, so they're going to keep doing the same thing. Same thing for Fighter Fest as well. So I'm not going to be surprised because they did it before. You know what I mean? And let's just, let's remind ourselves this is only year two and they've been around. So, you know what I mean? So we're going to see as year three can actually progress the season out as far as what comes as a pay-per-view compared to what comes as a TV. Ash, what was your thoughts on this? I think yeah, I think it's just going to be like regular shows, pretty much. Well, how about this here, though? We get into the Impact show Thursday night. Ash, um, Blackheart, did you guys catch this show or no? Uh, I caught maybe a few highlights, but you're going to have to really walk me walk me through the lot. All right. Well, well, as far as this show goes... It really was like a go-home show to their Impact Monthly pay-per-view. There really wasn't anything special really on this show as far as anything goes. Like the Tony Khan thing that was talked about. I mean, Tony Khan really came out and did this promo. And the one good thing I will say about this promo, it didn't last 15 minutes like a Monday Night Raw promo would. But Tony Khan is really not – he's not a good promo artist and – I like the pre-tape stuff that they were doing whenever they said, like, the following is sponsored by AEW, you know, where they would promote their AEW card the night before on Impact when Impact was on Tuesdays. And Tony Khan came off as, like, 1997 Eric Bischoff. To me, me, this Tony Khan just came off as nervous, just like, eh, you know, like he he was playing a heel and then he played a babyface. And then I didn't understand what he was doing. So then Don Callis came out and at least saved this segment. And Don Callis and Scott Demore were talking and making points like saying, like, why is Sammy Callahan even being even treated for this contendership? He's a madman. And then, of course, Callis in, is telling Demore, like, what about all those times we've had to pay off people with a briefcase or had to, you know, call the cops or something you know, and and then uh, Callis mentioning how he, his first night in the company, Sammy Callahan took a baseball bat to Eddie Edwards' eye, and and then of course you know Tony Khan made that ruling, and you know so it was just a segment, it really was, and you know of course Don Callis had to be pissed because he doesn't want Kenny Omega to face Callahan and stuff. Um, I, I will say though the opening package to Impact though showed the Josh Alexander TJP highlights of the 60-minute Ironman that they have on the Behind the Impact. And Josh Alexander, I feel like they're going to make it Josh Alexander and Kenny Omega after Slamversary because Alexander was telling Scott Moore, till a real champion is holding the Impact World Championship, I'm going to be the king around here. 
So I was like, oh, that's they're kind of teasing Josh Alexander, Kenny Omega down the road. But but for an opening segment, it really was just it really looked like Tony Khan just needed to be more of a a better. He needs to find out if he's going to be a heel or babyface, and he needs to technically be doing a lot more better than this because it was just like. But the thing is, it just didn't last long. And then, of course, Sammy Callahan was pissed off at Scott Demore because he. You know, he didn't really want a, a no a street fight match at against all odds. And then he said, who the hell would even want to team up with me? And then Tommy Dreamer comes up and just says that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And Callahan told Tommy Dreamer that if you cost us this match Saturday, I'm just going to kick your ass. So and then Tommy Dreamer told Scott Demore that Don Callis was his enemy. So. So it so it was just it was really like I I don't like cheap builds to a match and the match with the Good Brothers and stuff is just a really cheap build and everything so that was for the opening segment we had Rosemary defeat Havoc if Havoc won the match Havoc would have been involved in the three way for the Deanna Perrazzo's um, Impact Championship but Rosemary won so it's going to say a one on one match and after the match. Deanna, Kimberly, Susan all jumped Havoc and Rosemary after the match. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo put Rosemary in the Velas de Mino. And then Susan got on the microphone and said that Kimberly versus Tasha Steeles was going to happen. Another match. That, this match was actually really more sloppy um, because, because it just didn't go as long anyway. But it was a very long six-minute match. And then, of course... After the match ends, it's not even it's it, and then after the match when Tasha Steeles wins, the you have Deanna, Susan, and Kimberly all attack the tag champs, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan. Havoc, Rosemary come down. Havoc and Rosemary take out the heels, and then they take out Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan. So another segment where it just was just like all the women did not know what the hell they were doing, and it just felt like they were just trying to get like so many women on TV and not trying to do anything else. Um, you had um, a Steve McClan talking about what he imagined when he was in war. That's the former Steve Cutler. Um, he will be calling himself Mr. Mayhem going forward. So um, then you had Gia, Mil- Gia Miller is actually probably the most underrated female broadcaster, I think, because she's literally learning on the job and she doesn't really have a lot of help. And you can really just tell. But she actually made a funny point. She said, I really feel silly for asking this, but how do you feel after you worked a 60-minute match? And Josh Alexander said he felt fine. And then they p- promote the five-way for the number one contendership for the um, X Division Championship. And Ace Austin came up and told um, Josh Alexander that he didn't need to watch the five-way because he was going to win. And then we actually had a really good tag match between Trey McGill and P.D. Williams taking on Rohit Raju and Chris Bay. The match was good. The commentary was a very little weird because D'Lo Brown was saying that the Canadian Destroyer is Canada's um, greatest move, which I doubt because um, especially I, I was surprised D'Lo said that knowing that Bret Hart was in WWF in the 90s and the sharpshooter was probably the most over one. But um, I think the I uh, concur the diving. Uh, yeah, I will say this here: the Canadian Destroyer, though, is probably one of the most under is probably one of the most overrated moves in pro wrestling today. Because even Petey Williams has said, like, 
the Canadian Destroyer is not supposed to be a move you kick out at two with, and everyone kicks out of two of the Canadian Destroyers, or Panama Sunrises, or whatever you want to call them nowadays. But Trey Miguel and Petey Williams, they beat Rohit Raju and Chris Bay. After the match, Ace Austin and Madman Fulton try to run down and attack everyone. Josh Alexander came down, almost got taken out um, by Fulton and Austin, but then the rest of the um, guys in the five-way came, and they beat up Ace Austin. And then Madman Fulton got hit with a Canadian Destroyer with the help of Miguel, Chris Bay, and um, Rohit and everybody, so... It was, and then, and then, so, so it was a good little segment, but it wasn't nothing to go home and watch about. Then you had Gia Miller. She interviewed Willie Mack and Rich Swan about the W Morsey No DQ match that was going to be happening um, on the Impact show tonight. And you know, Max said that he um, was going to, you know, beat him up. And of course, Rich Swan said, "Save a piece for me." And then we actually had to get um this is probably like the worst part of the show in all honesty i, I really do feel bad for Tennille dashwood because the impact shows that they did with madison rain where she did the locker room talk they changed it and just made it to neil dashwood's show about all about me so here's the shows you have to ask to neil dashwood questions and caleb with a k makes social media references the entire time so it's very annoying so Rachel Ellering came in, and, you know, Tennille Dashwood was just upset that Rachel Ellering did not want to ask her no questions, and Jordan Grace also dropped by, and Caleb with a K and Tennille were kind of, like, trying to, like, call Jordan Grace fat, saying that there's no room to sit on the couch, and it, it just kind of got really weird, because then Rachel Ellering is supposed to be the queen of s strong smile. Yes, that's literally her name the queen of strong smile and it was very um and then she got very annoyed by Tennille and said that i want to fight you at against all odds and jordan grace said no i want to fight her and that's kind of how that ended then we had the violent by design promo eric young said that against all odds deaner and rhino will retain their tag team championships and then we had joe doring eddie edwards that ended in a dq it really wasn't a good match neither. This was probably the worst match on the card because it was a quick five minutes, but it kind of felt too long. And then you had um, Kojima come out, and literally he's giving like knife edge chops to Joe Doring, and it looks so bad because Kojima's like old and you know, and Joe Doring's not selling these and. You know, is it was just a bad, it was just bad if you were trying to promote this match. Um, then we had, you know, a video package from Moose, and this is probably the best thing I liked about this show. Moose talked about the Impact Championship as something that has always eluded him. He talked about that he did not keep his eye on the ball when he took on Rich Swan at Sacrifice. He said Rich Swan was the better man. He said at Rebellion, he said had he been in that match. He said Kenny Omega would not be the Impact and AEW champion right now. And then you had, you know, and and then D'Lo Brown, Josh Matthews ran down the entire card for the Against All Odds show, which is just a card, really. And then you had W. Morsey defeat Willie, Willie Mack in a no-DQ match. This match was, like, really bad because one thing about Impact, they do too many weapons matches, and this whole match is literally on the impact youtube channel 
they literally they didn't edit anything off this and W. Morsey doesn't sell any chair shots for Willie Mack. Willie Mack is like taking all this heat. After the match is over, W. Morsey won. So Rich Swan tries to go and attack W. Morsey, and W. Morsey gets an upper hand, and then Rich Swan hits W. Morsey with a chair, and W. Morsey doesn't even sell it. So it really was just a show, um, and it wasn't nothing of a great show to write home about. Um, um, so, yeah. Um, so, uh, SmackDown, AEW, did you guys check that out, though? Yeah, I checked up over those joints last night. My last night was jam-packed for me, watching those two wrestling shows in, you know, in the two playoff games. Yeah, I was watching well, the games, too. Well, yeah, I was everywhere. Well, I was everywhere well, last night. Well, which show do you guys want to start off with, SmackDown or AEW? Start off with SmackDown, since that was from the 8 to 10 block. All right, well, SmackDown... I did catch this show uh, 12 o'clock today. I did not catch it last night. Um, so, of course, they, so I will say this here. That there were people on Twitter that were upset by this show because there were people that like the, the – there's people that love this Roman Reigns Uso storyline, no. which are like myself. And yeah. then you got people that hate this stuff, like saying – Oh, this is the worst thing um, weekly. Only thing that happens is Roman just gets mad at his cousins and everything. And it, and and I and this is actually the one time where I actually have to defend WWE because this is the best storyline, like literally in WWE today. Because it really is like on NXT, you don't have a storyline like this, and on Raw, no one's not going to watch Raw like that. So this yeah. is actually the best segment and the best stuff that is and. Alfred Kwan on Twitter said that if WWE put Roman Reigns in the Uso segments on WWE main event, they would win a daytime enemy. <laughs> so, so you put this on that. Raw, then people would be like, oh, Raw has a storyline? Exactly. Right, Raw actually has a dope-ass storyline on top of that that people are willing to follow because it's relatable. You can't have it on two damn. Yeah. I mean, if they would have took this storyline and brought this back in what, like 2010 and shit like that, when it was doing the whole super shows and shit like that, they could have gotten away with it. Exactly. Um, and they re- and so the show recaps Ray and Dominic Mysterio against the Usos, and it literally shows Jimmy Uso's shoulder up on the mat and everything like that, and. Of course, it ends with the main event segment of Roman Reigns just beating the shit out of Dominic, and none of the Usos are helping Dominic. They just look, and and of course, the and then the show opens up with Jimmy Uso making his way to the ring. He said last week should have been um, a celebration, but they got robbed. He said that Roman Reigns, you know, causes interference um, and did this on purpose, and said that Roman was jealous. And that Jimmy wanted to reform the Usos and win the tag team championships. But Reigns wants to only be the only champion in the family. So Reigns, Jey Uso, and Paul Heyman are all watching from the locker room. Jimmy knows that Reigns is being brainwashed by his brother. So he promised he's going to do something tonight that he won't regret. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this opening segment? Ash, you can go first. Um... I, yeah, I thought it was good. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, you gotta expect Jimmy yeah. to 
try to pull out all the stop shot and save his brother from being brainwashed and stuff like that, right? And, you know, and good way to start, well, of course, what's the WWE formula? Start off a Pro Bowl for the first 15 minutes and then you go, in, you go right into a match. So, <laughs> we got that last night. Um, but this was different, though. This is something that we all waited from since last week to get answers from. So, we needed some type of follow-up update. So, we waited patiently for that. So, we can let that be a legitimate excuse. Um, now, with Roman, what the hell did they talk about? Talking about this, like, your worst storyline. I'm like, what the hell do you know about this particular storyline unless you don't go through it yourself? And I bet you a lot of people, especially, you know, people of that, you know, upbringing in nature and stuff like that, who either has an older brother or a cousin, whatever, like I have, I easily relatable to this. So, I should know. So, it entertains me. Maybe he doesn't have a family at home, or maybe several people that just don't see it from the way that we see it. But that's their opinion. They're open to it, whatever. But in this case, you got some tripping. This is one of the best storylines that he in his in his career has had. And these two, his cousins, are being extensions of that. So you so you get another story arc existing to the one that we already got right now. I will say, though, Jay Uso reminds me of just someone that looks like he's got a relationship with two people that he loves, but he has to, like, pick one, and he's, like, getting, like, really sick of both relationships, and, and you can really just see it in the video promo, and then <laughs> Roman's, like, talking to him, he's like, he's like, you need to make a choice, and, like, you need to get your cousin, in, or you need to get your brother in line, and Jay is just like, man, I'm really, like, sick of this shit, like, Jay, Jay was, like, they kind of told you, that Jay was really getting sick of both of these guys and like saying like you know what man I look like I'd just be better off just being by myself right now and Listen, um, Jay's fucking losing his mind right now he's losing his motherfucking mind he doesn't know he's he's being fucked with you know what I'm saying he's he's that raggedy and toy being pulled by two kids <laughs> exactly exactly um and, and and um hey bringing in Tavon Jamison Tavon what's good with you man Tavon you back. Yes, I am. Like, uh, um, I'm doing good. So just chilling. Just well, just your average Saturday, you know. Well, uh, Tavon, we're actually reviewing Friday Night SmackDown last night. Did you um check out the show? Yes, I did. All right, all right. Oh, yeah, he's, so, he should so, be ready for this. <laughs> oh wow! So, so we actually have a four-man commentary for SmackDown tonight. Wow! wow. <laughs> you, you know, you know, you know. Fun fact, you know, fun fact. There, there's actually a woman on Twitter. Um, Diva Incarnate is her name. Um, if you guys want to check her out, beautiful woman. I think um, I heard of her. Yeah, yeah. Um, she does the Wrestling Inc. post show of SmackDown with. Matt Morgan and Alfred Kwan, if you guys want to check that out. Um, and, I, and I know that she actually like made me laugh because literally the only thing she loves about SmackDown is Roman Reigns. She won't watch nothing else. like Or, or she shits on everything else on the damn show. So literally the first thing I saw at like 8, 10 p.m., then they went to the first commercial. I looked on Twitter and she said, I do anything for Roman Reigns. And I opened up this video. It's like a 30-second video. She's like, yeah. Fuck the Usos. Yeah, like, I'll go book the Usos. I swear. <laughs> I, said, what the hell? I, said this, I said, this was really something. I said, I said wow, she really just Oh, yeah, I know her. It's NYC Demon Diva. I subscribed to her. Exactly. So I was, I was like, I was like, damn, she just told him, she just told the Usos just to f off. I was like, huh? It's like, I said, I Bad. said, okay, like, so, so then, um, of this course, should bring her you know, ass into the fucking bloodline stable. 
I'll have a tribal chief. Oh yeah, they got a first secretary. I I know. Uh, and then um, so then of course you know Jay found Jimmy backstage and he and Jimmy told Jay that look here if Roman Reigns wants to talk to me he said I'll be in our locker room. So we had Kevin Owens, Big E. They defeat Sami Zayn and Apollo Cruz. This was a decent tag match. It was good. I will good. agree to that. Yeah, it, it's it, and and what happened? But I will say though, they did something different. The commercial break, they ended with Apollo throwing Biggie out the ring, and then when they got back, Sami Zayn actually had a chin lock on Biggie. So they actually did not do the WWE way of the babyface does a big spot and they go to commercial. They actually did it where the heel had dominance before the commercial and after the commercial. So I did like that part. That was actually pretty cute. The rest of it is just your normal tag match. Kevin Owens wins with the um, stunner on Uh, I hate this shit. And then then we had Apollo afterwards get back in the ring and say, look here, you guys didn't beat me. You beat an idiot. He says, so next week, you could challenge me and Commander Aziz. And Biggie and Kevin Owens were kind of like a little shocked at first, and then they were like, okay, yeah, we'll whoop your ass next week. And then Sami Zayn got back in the ring and said that you cost me this match because you're jealous of me. You don't want me near your Intercontinental Championship. And Commander Aziz just gave him a Nigerian nail, and that kind of just ended the segment. Uh, What was your guys' thoughts on this tag match? Did you call me for <laughs> Go ahead first. I um, mean, I went to dead last because I got a lot of shit to say about this. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I know it. Just me. I, I thought um, it was decent. Cool. Yeah. I, these these four guys could work, you know, and it should be interesting. This this um intercontinental title feud with Kevin Owens and Apollo Cruz. Anybody else? Um, I thought it was um good. Yeah, Apollo Cruz, he's really um coming to his own as um Intercontinental Champion and Commander Cease. He's doing well, being well part of Apollo. So it'll be um interesting to see him next week debut on. SmackDown in a tag team match against Kevin Owens and Big E. Which is terminology for another Armis, I mean, Omos, um, few maids in the ring to try to show off the raw, greedy, big show power. Is what we're going to get next week. But, um, yeah, what a great way to open up SmackDown um, for all four. Um, pfft, can't really say too much about the match. It just felt like it was just there just to be there. After Big E wasn't really around for nearly two weeks, so people kind of questioned that. So, still don't get no reason for what he's been away from, but okay, fuck it, screw it. We'll just move on from there, pretend the Alice of Black thing didn't even exist, <laughs> and that's it. And move on from that. Um, so we got what we got, and now it's going to be some type of failure four way for the Intercontinental Championship at Hell in the Cell. Is what it's looking like because you know Sammy's not going to be away from this. That's what yeah, I, 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 I have to agree. It looks like they might be doing another Fatal 4-Way. If not, if not, I would yeah. be shocked, but it kind of just seems... Because yeah, the Hell in a Cell card doesn't have any matches on I there, really, so, so they definitely need to put some matches on there, so... 
Or progressive mm-hmm. match flow of the night, which is um, sponsors Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. We have the American Alpha and Street Profits. And in the back, Chad Gable approached the Street Profits and actually apologized for Otis attacking them. He said that um, Otis gets a little too caring, and he said sometimes he can't control Otis. And he said the tag team match was canceled for the night. So the one match that they built up last week got canceled. So, okay. And then the Street Profits mocked Gable again, and they said, okay, well, we don't accept your apology, and we want to challenge you to a match. So Chad Gable said, okay, uh, which one do you want to face me in a singles match? And Montez Ford said he would, and Gable said, I'll leave. Otis in the back, if you leave Dawkins in the back, and they both agreed, and Gable noted that Otis was still mad. So in the Roman Reigns locker room, Jay told um, Roman what Jimmy said. He said, look here, he said, he said, Jimmy said, if you want to talk to him, he said that he'll be in our locker room, and Reigns laughed at Jay and said, your locker room? Right. He said, oh, okay. He said, you know what? He said, I will go to your locker room later. Oh, so he doesn't oh, go there to like after he's a spoiler alert people. He doesn't even go to after he's like done on his phone texting stuff like in the like last like twenty minutes of this show. Because even he said because even he wasn't concerned. He's like he's like I'm not gonna get like, please wait your locker room. Now you really believe in this shit? Like you're really serious? Like that's what he that's what he was just like like just his reaction to that. Like okay. All right. I, I found that funny. Shit. <laughs> I, I found that funny as hell. Uh, Liv Morgan defeated Carmella because, and right before the match, Greg Hamilton oh. said, please welcome the most beautiful woman in WWE, Carmella. The most trashiest gimmick that they got for her next. <laughs> and and then, of course, Trash. what do they do? She's not even they the most beautiful Liv- woman. <laughs> right, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm about to get ready to say, like, wait, how many other divas before you? Can you know? Can actually come back and contest this shit? Wait, nah, get the fuck out of here, bitch. And then, and then, of course, Liv Morgan defeats Carmella because because one thing about this show, we have to have fifty fifty booking. So oh, Carmella yes. isn't gonna get over it all at all anyway. So of course, Carmella during the match told Michael Cole to tell everyone that she's the most beautiful woman in WWE. And this Trash. is where I felt like, and this is where I actually felt like Blackheart was like Michael Cole for a minute because because Michael Cole was like, well. Carmella's the self-proclaimed, and Carmella said self-proclaimed. Yeah, bitch, I was a yeah, self-fucking-proclaimed. Get the fuck out of my face. Go back to the locker room, loser. You lost. Next. And, 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 and what I did not understand was the cameraman actually fell the hell over. And I was like, what the hell happened to the cameraman? And Pat McAfee is literally making fun on commentary. He's like, he's like, oh, well, see what you did, Michael? You didn't call Carmelo beautiful, so the cameraman <laughs> fell over. So I love I Pat like, McAfee. He's so good. Yeah. Now, imagine Pat McAfee and uh, what's his face? Um, Pat McAfee and Wade Barrett being on the comedy team. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness, that would be the top comedy team in WWE that they have. Yeah, it actually, exactly. It actually would be. And, and, and this, but I was like actually kind of wondering what the hell happened. You get a new version of JR, and you get a new version of um, um, The King. Yeah, and and then of course, you know, uh, Liv Morgan um, won uh, the match. Uh, of course, she like, she hit like, um, 
Yeah, she can get because Carmelo missed the super kick and Morgan hit the oblivion for the victory. Fun fact: Liv Morgan on her right thigh put Ruby Riot's um actual like nickname on it, so that's why she was. She actually referenced Ruby Riot in the match. Of course, nobody mentioned it, but and then after the match, Carmella made the ring announcer say she was still the most beautiful woman in WWE because Carmella did not care that she lost. Yeah. So, um. You guys had any thoughts on this match outside of trash? Part, uh, <laughs> I mean, well, everyone, not Liz part, but just the whole Carmella, the most beautiful monarch bullshit. It's just trash. It's garbage. My God, they should they should just give Nia Jax this gimmick. <laughs> no, because that would turn into disaster on social media, and I mean disaster. <laughs> That's like saying Nyla Rose. She could have Reginald just run after her. <laughs> that means she would have to be the sugar mama anymore, right? <laughs> so that would define the whole role. No. <laughs> I, I will say the only thing that makes Carmella beautiful is like the strip tease dance that she does on the way to the ring. That's it. Corey Gray is maybe lucky that he got something to go home to. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, right. Um, and then, of course, we had uh, probably the most funniest segment of the night. It was Bailey's ding dong hello. Um, she actually <laughs> welcomed everyone to the show, and actually, it had and it and like Pat McAfee is like saying, "Oh, she did a huge setup. I can't believe this inside the Thunderdome." And I was like. I said she's like, fucking her. stupid. <laughs> and then, and actually, she welcomed Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins actually rung the doorbell and everything. And Bailey was so happy that Seth rung the doorbell, and it it was so funny because it was two pompous asses just kissing each other's asses, literally. And like, and like Bailey said, she said, Seth, thank you for using the door. Seth's like. Well, that's what it's for, you silly woman. Like, of course you're supposed to ring the doorbell. And then, and then, like they, and then Steph saying, "Oh, I have no doubt you're gonna beat Balaka at Hell in a Cell." Like, so making fun of Michael Cole, messes up the words. Uh, oh, Bailey, God. A- Bailey asked uh, Rollins if you need anything to drink. Just ask Michael Cole because he's not doing anything, and Pat McAfee starts <laughs> laughing. Worthless piece of shit. <laughs> and then, and then, and then Bailey rolled footage of Bailey laughing at Bianca Belair, and then having her face all over the Thunderdome cameras, and they laughed uncontrollably. I really felt like they were like making fun of Vince's laugh so much to where I was just like so bored of this. And then, of course, Bailey played footage of. Rollins attacking Cesaro three weeks ago, and they got serious for a minute, and then they busted out laughing again, and then the doorbell rang, and then Seth said, Bailey, did you order something to eat? She's like, uh, no, and then, and then Bailey said, oh, you got me a gift, and Seth said, no, 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 you got me a gift. He said, you know what, I'm the gentleman, I'll go to the door, he said, <laughs> Being a complete and, dick. And they, exactly. And, and then they and then they have to take like five seconds too long to go to the camera of Cesaro being at the door. So then Seth shocked, and then Cesaro gives him a quick jab. <laughs> and then Cesaro whoops Seth's ass so much that Seth's pants actually exploded. Ah, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair. <laughs> And then Seth runs away, 
And as Seth is running away, he got literally hit with a fucking plant that Cesaro launched 10 feet away from. I was like, I was laughing so hard. Bailey was upset. She's like, she's like, you had to ruin my show. And and then Bianca Belair comes out and laughs at Bailey. And Bailey looks like she's about to cry because she's getting laughed at. And I was like, it, it started off as funny as hell, and then it got stupid. And I was like, what the hell kind of shit is this? And, um, fun fact, Bailey called Seth Rollins the grip god. What was your guys' thoughts on this segment? I was laughing my ass off this. Yeah, was it, it was funny. <laughs> Seth's face after after he and Bailey saw um saw Bailey's clip, his face it looked like he was cringing. It was funny. This is like two jokers sitting inside a psychiatrist's office. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> but Seth sold the fuck out of all of Cesaro's moves and shit like that. He got taught and chucked over everything, thrown throw through the damn door. The whole night, y'all, he sold the fuck out of everybody. I will say, though, this segment just made me laugh so much. And I will say, though, like, if, like, I know a lot of people on social media, they were comparing Seth Rollins' clothing to Kenny Omega's on AEW last night. Then the whole point is, it's Seth Rollins versus the Young Bucks in, like, who wears the worst clothing weekly. Because because literally, that's that's the whole entire point, like, of the whole entire thing. Like, Seth is literally trying to wear these, like, fancy suits that, that don't even make any sense, and they come out looking weird as hell. Hey, I consider him being as Harvey Dent in Two Face. That's why I, I respect I, the I respect the suits. I'm like, wait, you're pulling a Harvey Dent out your ass. I gotta respect it right now. Only Harvey Dent, Two Face, the only motherfucker that was able to pull out that type of shit. I will say though, to me, what I liked about this here about Seth Rollins, this is better than the Messiah gimmick because to me. You're making him into like this madman lunatic, and mm-hmm. like the and 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 it, and it actually is working. Like people actually like shit on Seth Rollins' gimmicks way too quickly to me. I think that like his Monday Night Messiah gimmick worked because he had the Authors of Pain and Buddy Murphy, and then yeah. he, and then he didn't have Authors of Pain. He still had Theory and Murphy for a little bit, but when he didn't have nobody, that's when the gimmick started to really die. When he, I mean, this lunatic gimmick that he's got now, it works because now you can see this man is literally like a legit madman who really just thinks that, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, he's just that upset because he got embarrassed. And it is a very simple storyline between him and Cesaro. I'm just surprised that these two ain't having a Hell in a Cell match. That's what I was actually more shocked about because because I know they're going to face each other at Hell in a Cell. I'm just surprised it's not inside of a Hell in a Cell. Hmm. It could have been rules. I don't know. Um, how about this here, though? We had another footage again of Roman Reigns just beating the shit out of Rain Dominic Mysterio. So child Megan abuse. Morant. So Megan Morant, who's <laughs> no relation. Fucking child abuse, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we had Megan Morant. Inter- we had Megan Morant say this here. She said this here in the most robotic voice ever. This sounded like Dasha Fuentes came back into this woman's body and just immediately had to be the robotic woman. This is what Megan Morant said. She's like, even after a week. 
it is still disturbing to watch. But yeah, that's child abuse. Raven Mysterio and then Ray. Duh, clearly that was child abuse on television, and they got away with it. Roman Reigns should be arrested. He should be charged. <laughs> And then, of course, Ray actually has to, like, cut this promo where he's devastated. Ray beat the shit out of Dominic. And Ray actually started off at first like he was about to cry, which I was getting ready to make fun of him. I really was getting ready to make fun of him for crying like a bitch. I'm like, I'm like, you're really about to cry? I'm like, your son got F5'd by Brock Lesnar one time. You didn't even cry this much. I'm like, I'm like what the hell is wrong with you? So then Ray so got So he's been Ray a repeated victim. Fuck. Exactly. <laughs> so then Ray got furious. That Reigns targeted his family, and he promised to call out Reigns later in the ring tonight. I did like how the promo ended, but how it began was about to be like some funny shit because I was about to write that. I was literally about to laugh at Ray because whenever Ray sounds like he's about to cry, it's so funny because he because he sounds cheesy as hell, but he does it. Like he really does. He really does. And it brought me back to that. This is why he can never be a heel. Never. And this brought me back to the Extreme Rules match that they had for that I versus I last year, where oh. literally, where literally Ray is about to literally get his eye taken out, and he's he's like at Seth like cry like, no Seth, don't. Like laughing again, I was just. I, was, I literally, like, cheered up a bit and laughed. I was like, I said, okay, at least he ended it at least strong, but he didn't do really good at that. Um, so then we had Montez Ford, Chad Gable. They actually got five minutes to do technical wrestling, and then they got a shitty DQ finish because – and the finish did not end the right way because Angelo Dawkins was watching the match in the back. And Otis attacked him. Uh, Otis with no beard now, by the way. Um, he yeah. looks like the he looks like the kid that um, said in the gymnasium that everyone makes fun on the YouTube video, saying it's still real to me, damn it. Cabbage Pass Kid. Exactly. So the overgrown Cabbage Pass Kid. Exactly. So then, so then of course, the finish saw Montez Ford hit his frog splash. And Chad Gable was not supposed to kick out of it, but because Otis did not get down there in time, Gable kicked out at the last second and Otis came in the ring and Otis attacked Ford. And then Michael Cole had to explain on commentary, well, Otis was on his way down to the ring, so that's why Chad Gable kicked out of the finish. I was like, what? That doesn't even make any sense what he said. I was like, so then, of course, Otis attacked Ford. And the storyline is now Montez Ford has a broken rib and I guess a um, collapsed lung or something. That's what it was like reported as an injury storyline. So um, it didn't really mean nothing to me. It's just a feud. It really is. Um, Dawkins tried to make a save, but Otis beat his ass too um, for a second time. And then we had to get into the worst portion of the show which they fucking saved this part for like 9 30 p.m so you guys have to see this shit before you get your roman reigns Rey mysterio thing it's shitsuke nakamura defeating king corbin it's the exact same match exact same angle it's done for the entire month the only difference was they didn't put nakamura's entrance in this 
So Pat McAfee didn't dance or nothing. Um, <laughs> and then on commentary, Michael Cole explained that King Corbin is fighting Shinsuke Nakamura because Nakamura is in possession of Nakamura's crown. And Pat McAfee said, but he earned it. And Michael Cole said, that may be the case, but Nakamura is in possession of the crown. I'm like, you can't just say this motherfucker stole the fucking crown. Like, you really are going to defend Nakamura for stealing. So then they put the crown in the middle of the commentary thing. Shinsuke wins with a roll-up. But Corbin doesn't even care because Corbin attacks him after the match. And then Corbin and Rick Boogs have to look at each other for a whole minute. And then they run to the crown and Corbin whoops his ass. And then Corbin says, my crown. Shinsuke takes it. Rick Boogs throws him over the announce table. And Rick Boogs is on the outside doing a dance. And Pat McAfee is about to do one with him. And then Rick Boogs runs back into the ring. And Pat McAfee's like, oh, I thought that we were actually going to do something. Like, <laughs> so, so Rick Boogs doesn't even want nothing to do with Pat McAfee. So then after the match... Corbin asked Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, are you literally just going to let this man just keep stealing my crown? And this is what Adam Pearce literally says. Well, it is his crown. And then Sonya Deville says, and this is what Sonya, and Sonya Deville doesn't even give a shit either about this damn crown because this is what Sonya Deville said. She's like, well, you have to admit, he does look really good in that crown. And then... And then, like, and then Cor- and then Corbin even has to, like, like basically beg for a fucking match to get his own crown back. And Adam Pearce said, how about this here next week on SmackDown? It'll be the battle for the crown. He said, you guys are at two wins apiece. He said, he said, next week, the winner becomes the king. And I was just like, sure. That's all that, that's all that. I'm like, this because here's what I hate about this segment the most. It's like whoever wins the fucking match doesn't even give a shit they won the match. They just want the damn crown. And Shinsuke literally comes off as a really bad thief. And Corbin looks like he can't whoop no one's ass. Like, I don't understand that. Crown, that's it. Fucking stupid. Uh, but- it really is. So that's like, that disqualifies the whole King of the Ring shit and everything in the fuck else. Yeah. I... I- I will say this here, though, that, you know, this is, like, probably, like, the worst. This actually might be a candidate for the worst feud in um, WWE this year. This actually really might be. Yeah. Well, because, year. <laughs> or anything on Raw. Anything on it, it, Raw, too. Except well, well, Raw versus The Fiend. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, but you know, though, I have a feeling Elias and Jackson Riker are probably going to win feud of the year, though. Before this one, it's fighting over a crown. If you two, two stables going at each other's throats, yeah, I'm I'm moving for Shinsuke's then. I I don't know. I got more people. I think more people actually hate Elias and Jackson Riker more because because one oh. they tell you that Jackson Riker's a babyface. Um, but but like but but this though this was stupid as hell. I I hate it. All of this shit. <laughs> and and what's even worse is people have the nerve to say Adam Pierce actually is a good character on TV. I'm like, he didn't give a shit that Corbin lost his crown. Yeah. He's making fun of him. <laughs> How's he and, a great authority even, figure? And what does it make sense is, wasn't Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville just fighting two weeks ago? Now they're actually like laughing about this man not even being able to get his crown back. Two guys. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm 
I'm like, there's so much, there's so much stuff wrong in the storyline, and it doesn't even make sense. These storylines are only meant for the short-term memory people. Yeah. I, I will, I will say this here though. At least this crown feud is technically better than the Arch Truth Wade Barrett one that I saw in 2015. Because in 2015, I literally remember Arch Truth literally had Wade Barrett's crown, and he had to have a long beach towel that he put electrical tape around. He had to have a toilet plunger as a scepter. And literally, he had a paper sash that said King. So, <laughs> at least, at least we haven't gotten to that point yet, but we might as well just be at that point because I'm just, I, I was just shocked as hell. I, I, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like really like, like common sense should tell you that Shinsuke's a thief, but, but they tried to tell you on TV that he's not. So, and then, and then of course, to end out this show, we had Roman Reigns get off his phone and say, okay, let's go to your locker room. It's like all like fired up and shit, touching his hat and everything. Like, like, like he about to um, try out for the new Kurt Cobain's album or some shit. And oh, then, he, and no. then, and then of course Reigns comes in and Reigns tells Paul Heyman to leave. He said, it'll be a few minutes. And Jimmy said, he said, he said, he said, you know what, Roman, you've been doing this shit. Ever since we were kids, he said, he said, and then, and then cut a passionate speech. He said, he said, you know, you're going to be a Hall of Famer one day. He said, there ain't no doubt about it, but you ain't going to be going in the Hall of Fame as the tribal chief. You're going to be going in there as a spoiled bitch. Savage <laughs> at its finest. And, and then Jay Uso said, you know what? I'm done with you and I'm done with you. I'm out. And then Roman cuts a passionate speech. He said, he said, he said, you know what? He said, that's your brother. He said, he said, but you don't even act like your brother. He said, he said, yeah, y'all twins, but who was out first, huh? Who was born first? And then that's when he got quiet and put his hat down a little bit. He was like, damn. And then, and then, and then, and then, Ro- and then Roman said, he said, he said, I shouldn't have to tell your brother he has to be the right hand man and be by my side. He said, you should want to be right by my side with him. And then, and then of course, and then of course he told Jimmy Uso to make things right with his brother and stuff. And Reigns put the belt on his shoulder. So at least we got the Roman Uso stuff. It, this was actually really good stuff. It really was the best stuff on the show. Because because, yeah, because literally you you started off with you had like stuff at the beginning where the, everyone was pissed at each other. Then you had comedy with like the locker room shit. And then of course you even then get to the point where, you know, where, you know, like they, they all agree. Like at least Roman and Jimmy finally see like eye to eye, saying that look here, we don't need to be broken up. We need to be a bloodline together, and and that's where it gets to. And and if people don't like that, then then they don't obviously understand a really good simple storyline that they're trying to give you, because 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 we all know the the Usos and Roman are all going to be working together, you know, and they're going to you know keep Roman you know, the champion and everything, because because that's where this is going, so... Because he's the fucking top draw of that brand anyway, and more importantly in the company as of right, I mean, it's in the company as of right now. So, exactly. there's no two ways about it where they're going to exactly. go with him. Exactly. Tavon, Ash, got anything to add to this, to the Roman Uso storyline? I loved it. It was a very good segment. I mean, the passion, I mean... 
He said the passion. I was like, oh wait, he he really got invested into that. No, no, just say, say, he say, say. Right, the passion. Oh shit! But yeah, all three: Jimmy J and Woman. I mean, they're they're just they're just killing it. I mean, I mean the drama between those three men. I mean, it just it just continues and adds all up. I, I agree. I, I loved every bit of it. Ash, what about you? Yeah, anything that Roman touches is gold. So, <laughs> at this point, so I enjoyed every second of it. Exactly. Man, listen, and then- this wait, hold on a second. This is like the best thing that they actually done for SmackDown. That SmackDown is looking more like Raw back in the day, right about now. So people are more in tune to Fridays than Mondays. Yeah. So that says that says know- a lot about him. That says a lot about the brand itself and what they're doing over there. So distinctly different from what they do on Monday Night Raw. And you know what I love about this? It reminds me of. Stone Cold Vince McMahon 2001, where literally the entire show may be shit, but the <laughs> segments between Stone Cold and Vince saved those that raw shows. shows. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. it, especially during that sorry invasion angle. At least the, that stuff saved so much of everything. And with, Romo, with Roman and the Usos, at least it saved so much of this show. It really does. I mean, it without does. Roman and the Usos... This show really doesn't have anything except the Bailey Seth Rollins thing, and outside of that, I don't know anything else that would be because Kevin Owens is not pushed at all. Biggie is so wandered in the mid card. Apollo yeah. is not treated as a champion; it's more Aziz that they're trying to push. And then, of course, you got to get a King Crown feud, which no one doesn't want to see. So, I, so it's definitely so it's definitely that. Um, and this whole beautiful great, women in the world crap. I agree. <laughs> and then we had Garbage Rey Mysterio call out. <laughs> and then we had Rey Mysterio call out Roman Reigns. So before oh the commercial Rey came out. And then Rey waits for Rey Mysterio. Big brother. Waits, <laughs> and then Rey waits for Roman. And Roman has a whole five minute entrance. He gets the pyro. He gets the pyro in the ring and everything like that. And Ray's just like sitting there and doesn't do a damn thing. I'm like, this man just whooped your son's ass. And you right. this man just come out on a catwalk. You are a terrible father. Just, hey, a terrible father indeed. Terrible father. Like, what's the difference between him and the dead beat dance? I mean, literally, just right there, stand there. He's just like, he's like, he just looked pissed the entire time. He didn't want to move or nothing. And then Ray, <laughs> and then Ray acknowledged Roman Reigns. He said, he said, Roman, he said, I acknowledge you as the rat. Wait, the time up for a second. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, man. I have my hand up for this one. Hold on. My first time is this. You first acknowledged the man after he whipped your son's ass. Are you fucking serious? You just made you just became a bitch in my eyes, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> you just became a bitch in my eyes and anything like that. No, it should have been the very moment when he's about to say something, you should have just went after this in there. Period. I don't care again how small you are. You are former world heavyweight champion, god damn it. Act like it. You you, know, you lost that goddamn sport. And, and what I and what I didn't understand neither was he wanted to actually talk to Roman for a few minutes before he even tried to fight Roman. Right, like no, nah, yeah, like fuck it's the, yeah, like no, nah, like, fuck the talking, let's just fight. Exactly, with, and then 
And then, and then I had to hear like Fightful Wrestling on its like channel. Fightful literally said this here. They said this on their tweet, Twitter when they live tweet SmackDown. They're like, Ray doesn't want the championship. He just wants to fight Roman. Respect. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He no, just he wants doesn't. to talk to nah, Roman before he talks to Roman. I said, man, they just made Roman look like – I said they made Roman look like this man just – like they made Ray just look like he. They made Ray look him. so weak. Yeah. And, and then, a straight and then bitch. Okay, that's just a. That's that just a more of it. He he made that. Yeah, you know, he made that little Chihuahua way more than a puppy. Now, okay, he just demoted that man. Everything that he ever worked for gone. <laughs> and then and then of course Ray wanted to fight Roman inside the Hell in a Cell, so it was Reigns' turn to acknowledge, and Reigns acknowledged Ray. And he started to talk when Ray suddenly hit him with, like, a kendo stick. Reigns fought back and set up for a powerbomb. And then Ray hit him with a kendo stick again. And Reigns hit a Superman punch and a spear. And then suddenly we're about to go off air. And then Dominic Mysterio returns and tries to beat down Ray. And in what was the best thing on social media the entire night and the best thing on the show... Roman power bombs the shit out of Dominic right out the ring, yep. and the camera—they <laughs> say it like him out. his ass flowed. And then, and then when they get back, like Dominic just like slowed his back, like oh, and then and then <laughs> Ray Dominic, Dominic, Dominic's got his legs all crossed, his back all jacked up, and, and Ray ain't even nowhere near him, and he you was know. funny. And then, and I was, I was, I was like, you know what? I said this show proved to me. That this is Roman's show, and you're gonna have to go by Roman's rules. So I was like, I said, great way to end the show. I said, I love the fucking ending. I actually yeah. love the ending. I didn't want, I didn't want the bitch to stay. They made Dominic do the whole Peter Griffin fall, uh, fall, fall on the floor shit. <laughs> I, I, feel, I, I, I literally, I literally said this here. Like, like someone like said this to me. What happens if next month? Then Ray loses to Roman. Next month they do Dominic versus Reigns. I said, I said, well, if they do that, child abuse on pay per view. Next, next. I said, I said, the John Cena. This feud is just going to be nothing but Roman throwing his ass around like a pinball. Like this poor man ain't never going to get nothing. This poor man will always get his ass. He's just going to be like, acknowledge me, Dominic. <laughs> no, <laughs> I won't. And then just get his ass beat some more. Like, yo, it's going to be child abuse on pay per view. Okay, yeah. this is gonna be more pompous than anything else. <laughs> oh, oh my uh, god! And they don't see child abuse into in this man. They should not call that hotline that they be talking about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and what's even funny? And what's even funny too? Dominic is actually twenty four years old. So I don't give a fuck what he still looks like. He's still eighteen. That's no child abuse, oh, no. bro. <laughs> oh my goodness. So then, so so then we had AEW Friday. Oh my god! And the show opened up with the pinnacle. This was pre-taped as all pre-taped could be because they moved the hard camera back. There's like very little fans and all that. We just had the fans at ringside. So that's why I didn't see the word live there. No, no, no. So so the the next three weeks, I believe, are taped till they get that Saturday show with Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega. So Matt Hardy was flanked by the Hybrid Two. They addressed Christian Cage. He said Christian was so jealous of how much money Matt Hardy's made over the years and that he would never financially recover when Alan Helico beats him in this match to injure Christian. And Christian and Angelico actually had a decent TV match. My only problem was I, I don't I don't think Christian Cage 
since coming into AEW's had like a great match, and I'm still waiting for him to really have these great match because I'm like, man, like, and Helco's an like one of like an easy worker to work with, and there were times to me where Christian, when Christian would have like these like spots, Christian just looked like he was like taking a lot of heat, and I was just like. Ugh, this is a way to start off a 10 o'clock show. I'm like, Ugh. But, and then Christian won with the kill switch. And then afterwards, Matt Hardy hit a twist of fate on him. And, of course, Evans um, attacked Christian after the match. And then Jungle Boy um, made the save, and they ran off. What was your guys' thoughts on this opening segment on AEW? Gotcha. You have to go first. Um... I thought the match yeah, was decent, but yeah, Christian, he hasn't really had that one blow away match. I think Christian's best match was with Matt Seidel. It, it has been, it has been. I have to agree. Um, still waiting for that blowout mass and where he can outwork anybody. And um, still haven't done that yet. But they did this harvesting after some of the big type of masses. I don't think they want to try to do it each and every TV match. I think and then just like you said earlier, this was already pre-taped. So I imagine what they already done already that we're just waiting for. Um, so I mean, it was a decent match. I can't complain about it. Um, we had the Cody Rhodes interview. Um, Tony Schiavone um, announced that Brock Anderson, the son of Arn Anderson, would make his debut next week in a tag match between um, QT and Aaron Solo with Cody tagging with him. Cody said that next week Brock would steal home base and hit a home run. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't like this. I, I thought this was like a really weird like segment because Arn Anderson's son already looks like he's thirty as well. Like Arn Anderson's son doesn't even look young. I'm like, this this kind of just seemed like a weird promo. It really did, and and then it gets even weirder too because QT Marshall comes out and said he pinned Cody in the middle of the ring all by himself. And just like he came out all by himself, he told Cody that he was um, had enough of his nepotism and passion products. So he said when they go back on the road, Marshall wants to face Cody in a South Beach strap match. Cody wanted to do the match now, but QT actually just whipped R. Anderson with a belt, and then Brock took down QT with a Thaz press before officials broke it up. Um, I didn't like this segment. I thought it was just weird. And I don't know why it's not Anthony Agogo versus Cody. Let me build real quick, because when you was talking in reference to my mother, you said... back in line, buddy. Anybody had any thoughts on this segment? To me, it was um, I did. I didn't enjoy it either. I was like, <laughs> it was just whatever. And then, and then the moment when Cutie Marshall said that he was gonna do a strap match, Cody started pulling out his belt. That thing was just funny when he started. Doing that. <laughs> uh, I, I know, I know, because Cody, because Cody's like, like say, like, oh, you want a strap match now? You want it now? And, and then Cutie's like, like, and then Cutie doesn't even want it. I'm like. I'm like, man, this. I, I said, why don't you all just do the strap match now? It, it isn't like AEW had nothing really important on this show, like, to really, like, I was like, like, you could have done that. And then we had probably the worst match of the night, in my opinion. It was Eddie Kingston and Pac versus and Penta taking on the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler. 
Um, Kingston said, um, at Kingston before the match, you know, was saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And I guess him and Penta, like, are getting along, but Pac hates Kingston. And I can't blame Pac because it's just a random. So Pac's the third wheel or Eddie Kingston? Exactly. And then, and, and it was just your standard match because whenever Brandon Cutler came in, it was comedy. Whenever Brandon Cutler left, it was comedy. Um, and it really wasn't anything really fun about this match. You know, of course, the right team won. Kingston killed Cutler with a spinning back fist and allowed Pac to pin him. And then the Bucks immediately attack after the match. And then the Good Brothers try to come. And then Frankie, Kings, uh, Frankie Kazarian ran out to even the odds, crushing Cutler with a running lariat for good measure. Um, I didn't like this, though. So it's just like another it, – it just felt like another thing that happened on AEW. What did you guys think? Uh, yeah. yeah, I agree, it too. Just yeah. It was just like a blood match. It was just filling the time. Yeah. Um, then we had a video play. It was aiming to reveal the conspiracy to screw Kenny Omega. This was like all comedy of like Dark Side of the Ring. It just presented Kenny Omega as a beloved champion that defined all odds. And when Don Callis like screwed Orange Cassidy out of the finish, the he they fixed it where the fans like chanted "Thank you, Don." So it was it was stupid. But, right, but that was, yeah, that was but great. I, saw the I, I, no, I actually like laughed funny. at that part. I was like, I was like, oh, I, I see what he funny. did right there. So um, then we had the pinnacle come out. Dex Hardwood cut a great promo about this here. He said the stadium stampede didn't go the way they wanted, and he came out and you know he insulted Santana Ortiz saying the FTR weren't that different, but he said they've overcame adversity. He said they've won the championships in this company. He said that Santana and Ortiz have lost their edge. Hardwood said, I've got a wife and a kid. He used his edge to fill his bank account. Wheeler said, I don't have a family, and he doesn't give a shit about theirs. So FTR works together to build their legacy while Santana and Ortiz are happy being a footnote. Sean Spears cuts a weird promo saying that Sammy Guevara got lucky off of his moment and called Guevara a nothing more than a glorified indie wrestler. I think Sean Spears was trying to reference himself, not um, Sammy Guevara, because that just came off so weird. Then we had Warlow said that Hager is obsessed with him. He said he brings up the best in Hager, and Hager um, invited Warlow to to his comfort zone, and Warlow said that he would beat his ass there. MJF is tired of acting like he has something to prove, and he's already beaten Chris Jericho. And he's he said he's watched Chris Jericho's promo, read every book. Back in 2019 at the, the Double or Nothing rally, MJF saw Jericho backstage. His heart was beating a million miles a minute because he had the opportunity to work with Jericho. And he said that dream came – he said that should have been a dream come true, but it wasn't. And uh, and then MJF said that he wasn't going to give Jericho another match. So then we had the inner circle and Jericho say, well, look here, if you don't give us the match that we want, we're just going to make things worse for you. And literally, we literally have the inner circle just destroy the Pinnacle's limo. And of course, the Pinnacle have to be pissed. And um, fun fact, they actually wrote El Barto on the limo before they destroyed it all the way. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then this, and then this is what happened. They, um, 
there was the funniest thing that happened in this was like literally MJF said, "Where is security? This is our property." <laughs> and Jim Ross is even saying, "The inner this circle should be illegal. This should be illegal." They're not even. He says, "Why are they even destroying like a limo? Like they made their point." Like, um, and then of course the um, and then of course the inner circle runs off in a forklift. Saying that they were going to face um, MJF in the Pinnacle again, I-, I like this segment. It was actually pretty funny, but I've just said this here before. I don't think the Pinnacle and Inner Circle should keep feuding. I've already said that. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this? Sadly, but they're gonna keep doing it at least for a, a little bit longer to either fight the fastest over with or maybe extend it out to all out and that really be the ending chapter. I really have no idea because once that happens, what's going to happen with all both of these well both of these stables at, uh, afterwards? So that's going to have to be some people who will be taking some some tackles. We're going to be working other companies. We don't know about that right now. We don't know what, what, what happens when that happens. So I think they're going to try to prolong it until they figure things out. Anybody else got thoughts on this? Uh, yeah. Um, it was funny. Yeah. Ash? Yeah, I can see this going on to All Out. Yeah. Oh my goodness, man! We're gonna really have to be really into this. Since... I I told you, cause like, oh. it, cause like this, right? And they're already promoting the whole Warlow and Hager case fight, right? Each yeah. one of these people, right, is gonna have their own specialty type of main event match for the Pinnacle and Inner Circle. So that's gonna span about what five, six weeks, maybe ten if you do it every two weeks. So. Do it from that nature and that timeline that can extend out to August. Oh man! Well, we had Darby Allen answer Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page challenge, and he said that he wouldn't replace Sting next week. He just wanted a handicap match. He told Sting stay at home. Sting was concerned, and Darby Allen said, "I'm not stupid. I know they're gonna whoop my ass." And that Sting said, "You got nothing to prove. You were TNT champion before I ever came in this company, and that was true." But Darby Allen actually had like something with him now since Sting's been there. It's just been like Sting is just looking after him like a mother hog. So it's very so actually so actually I couldn't blame Darby because even Darby really didn't even want to give him a fist bump and like Dar- like you could tell Darby likes characters now. It's like man, I've enjoyed working with you, but I kind of like want to go back to being like myself, like where I'm like alone and shit. Which I understand. <laughs> so basically, um, he's, he's the entire of his daddy being around him 24-7. Exactly. And then Ethan Page and um, Scorpio Sky said, like, look here. He said, Darby, we just told you to find a tag partner, anyone other than Sting. He said, and you couldn't even make that an easy thing. He said, and then they said, they said, you know what? You're going to get your ass whooped by both the men of the year next week. And... It was, and you know, you know, I actually do agree. But you know, I, I, I'm happy though. It just stayed a handicap because Darby does need to beat both of them because Sky and Paige don't need the victory at all. That, you know, they're not going to be enhanced. And you know, Darby Allen should get this victory, so I'm not too worried that they, I, I'm pretty sure they'll do the right decision next week. Um, and then a video played of Evil Uno talking about his relationship with Mr. Brody Lee. This actually made me tear up a little bit. I did too. Yeah, it may be. Yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, he called Brody Lee one of his best friends. He said that Brody would always text them on the road about whenever they would win, uh, when Brody would win a championship, he'd text them of his kids holding the championships or whatever. And and Evil Uno then said, he said, selfishly, I did want to be TNT champion. He said, but, you know, I couldn't be. And he said, he said, with Mr. Brody Lee now, he said, I'm going to actually going to, I'm trying to become TNT champion because he said it would make up for 17 years of being a wrestler and missing um, dates away from his family and stuff. And I actually like that. That was like, that actually, you know, made me tear up. I was like, I was like, why didn't they promote this more? I'm like, I'm like, we had, like, we had a show where, where we've had nothing but filler. And this should have been like something that they should have been pushing up more because if they did that, then it really would have been something really fun. And of course, you know, and then we had Miro versus Evil Uno. Miro does beat Uno for the TNT Championship to retain, and it and it did and it was a really good match in the ring. I'm not going to complain about anything in the ring, but I will say when Stu Grayson and Five came out to help Uno, Miro clotheslined Grayson through the fans um, of the wrestlers at ringside, and then Five ran away. I was like, "What the hell?" I'm like. Five, you bitch! I was like, what the hell is with five? I was like, five really just ran away because Evil Uno just started looking at it because um because Miro just started looking at him all funny. So then five brought all the Dark Order out because five couldn't come out by himself no more, and it was more funny because Brody Lee Jr. Negative One wanted to kick Miro's ass. And negative one wasn't even scared of this, but poor five had to run away. <laughs> I was like, I said, man, you guys really missed the opportunity on some messed up shit. So of course, Uno came back with a hot um, roll. He tried to do the Brody Lee clothesline, and Miro doesn't even sell it. Miro's just like, you kidding me? And then Miro hits a game over on him after hitting the super kick. Miro um, makes Uno tap, and then. You hear Jim Ross on commentary saying, uh, Mr. Ref, like, your job is still not over. Get the lock off of him. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's like, oh, man, boy, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this man had to be tapped out. And then, must have been blind. Exactly. Like, I was like, I was like, and then, uh, and then, of course, all the Dark Order are looking at Miro all mad-like and. It was it was a segment. It really was. Um, it, uh, I did like, but I did like the match. I didn't think anything was wrong with it. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, I liked the match. I enjoyed it. Good match. Yeah, I liked the match. Yeah, it was a good match for me too. I was more surprised at what Nero's um moveset was from the compliment um Evil Uno's, but Evil Uno's um you wouldn't really expect it to be like oh. Um, he can stand like within like ten, but like they give it like a good like 10 12 minutes, so that was really good. So I can't complain about it for both guys. And negative one got more balls than five, dude. <laughs> exactly, he really does. I was like, I was like, negative really, negative one really And I, I got this feeling one day that negative one's gonna get in that ring and just like kick someone's ass because you can see like 10 of them have to hold him back like a lot. Because literally, he's like, he's getting, he's gonna get to that point where he's like, you know what, I'm gonna like kick one of these wrestlers' asses. Like, <laughs> I really do see it, you know. Um, we had an, an Andrade Elador video package aired. It was him putting on a suit. Um, I'm not a woman, so I was actually kind of, um, I had to like skip this shit because I don't want to see this man in his cotton <laughs> lines. 
I really don't. I, I'm, not, I'm not a woman, and this this is just like some weird shit. You know, if you're Charlotte Flair, I'm pretty sure Charlotte Flair was turned on by this. But to me, I'm not turned on by this. I was just like, I said, okay, cool. Like, you could put on a suit and wear these nice chains and shit. Great. Thanks. Like, you you literally proved to me that you could Shit, he's living a bad lifestyle than most of us. Fuck that. Exactly. So, yeah. So, then... So then, so then they said next week where Jim Ross would sit down with Andrade and talk with him, um, which is good because because Jim Ross actually does need to do more sit down interviews. We don't need Tony Schiavone always doing a sit down interview with these people. We really don't. We need we need more Jim Ross. Um, Kenny Omega and Don Callis interviewed. They you know Callis called Jungle Boy a one hit wonder for outlasting twenty men in a Casino Battle Royal. Omega's um, not going to act like Jungle Boy is some incredible challenger for the title, but he can't bring himself to say anything disparaging about him because he sees a little bit of Omega in him, and he hoped one day Jungle Boy might become champion. So then Jungle Boy's music plays, and then Kenny Omega gets on this mic and just starts like trying to run down Jungle Boy. And Kenny Omega said, oh, you're finally in the ring with the champ. He said, he said, you better make the most of this promo time, kid. He said, you got five seconds to speak. And Jungle Boy just simply says, wow, you talk way too much. I guess I do. And then, like, and then Jungle Boy just whoops his ass. I said, perfect segment. I said, perfect segment. I said, I said, Jungle Boy really just felt how we all were. We were sick of Kenny Omega talking. Like, just whoop his ass, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, but technically, Kenny Omega and Don Cows actually carried that segment anyway. Because I, I have a question. So he is right. Are you a great promo? If he can't make me give me a great promo face to face in front of the crowd, I don't know what to tell you. So, Kane was on to something. Well, I will say that I think Jungle Boy will get more speaking time. Hopefully next week they let Jungle Boy like get on the mic and actually cut a promo because that's what we need next now from Jungle Boy. He now needs to cut like a, a good five minute promo. That's what he needs to cut next week. Um, Jay Cargill and Mark Sterling cut a promo. Um, I'm not a fan of the Mark Sterling, Jay Cargill thing because I don't understand why Jay Cargill needs a mouth. Jay Cargill can actually speak very good for herself. Yeah, and, um, like exactly. I mean, I tell, I tell the guys all the time, I put, I'll throw some fresh vanilla ice cream on top of the ass first. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, do. Um, so, you know, Cargill, you know, I get, so the whole point was Mark Sterling said that they've now catchphrased, um, the I'm that bitch because Cargill said that. So, um, and Sterling said that Jay Cargill's revenue went up by 43%. I doubt that because Jay Cargill hasn't even had a match in damn near three weeks. So I don't know where the hell Mark Sterling's coming mm. up with these numbers. Mark Sterling actually stocks. might be worse for Jay Cargill than, than I think because I, I don't see anything good coming from this. I, I just don't. Maybe it will, but but I really do feel bad for Jay Cargill. She didn't need no manager. She really didn't. Um, Scorpio Sky. It depends if John went into that. Okay. Lance Archer de- defeated someone quickly. Um, and that's it. So we don't need to talk about that. Then we had the great <laughs> well, squash match. Really, exactly. Exactly. It was like the quickest squash match I've ever seen. Like, Lance Archer just go. And this poor dumb motherfucker tries to literally attack Lance Archer before the bell. And Justin Roberts is like trying to like get out the entrance. And he says, he say, and from Texas, 
the murder hawk, and then like this guy's trying to go, and Justin Roberts said, Lance Archer. And then Justin Roberts walks out of the ring. Um, we had the wingmen. That's Ryan Nimick, J.D. Drake, Peter Avalon, and Cesar Bononi. Fun fact, these are four men that are like Angel Garza. They can't get a woman, and they call themselves wingmen. And <laughs> this fact, shit is trash. Trash. And, and what okay. doesn't even make any sense is Cesar Bononi is What is the fucking... Wait, so but talking about what the fuck does a librarian turn into a to a, a wannabe? How much is it? Me Street Posse. Well, well, here's what happened. He was actually pretty Peter Avalon after he left the librarian, um, Leva Bates. Which fun fact? Leva Bates hasn't even been on TV ever since then. So, so, so poor Leva Bates. Um, I, I know. And then, and then, what doesn't even make any sense? Neither is. These are like the wingmen that are – these are pretty much like Angel Garza. They don't get no women. Cesar Bononi's married, so I don't know why he's literally trying to pick up women. Um, Ryan Nimitt invited Orange Cassidy to a makeover because he said Orange Cassidy dresses so poorly. And I'm literally looking at J.D. Drake, and I'm like, you got this fat fuck literally wearing some, like, glitter on his shirt. Like, like you really telling me that Orange Cassidy can't dress? Like, man, you got man, you got J.D. Drake right there literally wearing some terrible clothing. And then, of course, um, they said if Orange Cassidy doesn't accept, Cesar Bononi pulled down his shades and showed a black eye. He said, or we'll arrange your face. I'm like – Man, this is a terrible, terrible group. I'm like, man, they, all the, all the, all of them are so terrible. They don't, they don't pick up no women. They, they don't understand what the hell a wingman's supposed to do. I, I don't get it. I, who created, who created this so crap? Much. That's the first thing. Tony Khan. Can't Tony Khan obviously loves this shit. God, he loves this shit. This is, this is so out of whack. I don't have any love for this. I, I really don't have any love for it, and. It's not like you even got four good workers. You just got four marginal, below average workers because Avalon doesn't. Because Avalon had that match with Cody, and of course everyone got pissed off. Cody even sold for Avalon. Ryan Nemeth doesn't even work like Dolph Ziggler. JD Drake is a below average worker, you know, because he doesn't. Because his gimmick is not anything great. And Benoni is a great seller, but he isn't a good wrestler. So it's – and that's usually weird because usually big men can usually work, but they can't sell shit. So Nyla Rose defeated Layla Hirsch. Um, we talked about this here last week, Blackheart, you and I, and I believe Ash was on this as well. First, you know, we said that Nyla Rose is going to be the baby face in this Britt Baker feud. And right before the match, they put like a stepping stool for Layla Hirsch. So they made fun of Layla Hirsch's height. I'm like – Okay, I, I don't get that then, because and and then and then after the match you have Britt Baker being interviewed, and she's being a heel too. So we've got two heel versus heels, and I'm pretty sure both are going to get cheered by baby faces because Nyla Rose when she threw the Big Macs in the crowd she got cheered, and when Britt Baker comes out they always chant DMD. So mm. this was a very this was very weird to me. But Nyla Rose beat Layla Hirsch. It was a it was a decent match. It wasn't nothing to go home and write about. Um, um, Layla Hirsch looks like she's got some talent um, because she she really her and Nyla could you know they they did pretty good but but it was just a decent match and so, no I, I'm just more worried about if Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa would have happened, Jack would rock the house. I agree, I agree. Um, but 
to me, to me, a heel versus heel feud is gonna. This is gonna be a really heel versus heel feud. This is gonna be like a very weird feud. And and then of course you got Tony Schiavone, who does not add nothing to this. He adds nothing to this, and he's literally saying like, "Oh, Nyla Rose, she literally kicked the Big Macs out of our hands and shit." I'm like, <laughs> like you're not. I'm, I'm like you're not supposed to be a heel commentator during this feud. You know that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was just like, uh. I so think Drew Baker done. forced them to be with her. <laughs> I know. Her and and Rebel. I know. It's like, it's like, man. And, and poor Rebel. Rebel had like this crutch for like two whole months. And now Rebel's just like, I mean, yeah, Rebel's a real woman, but, 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 but I don't but, understand but hey, what I'll Rebel say does. this though. I mean, her reactions, her, her reactions and like her expressions, like when she's doing the DMD, that was funny. It, it is, it is, and, and, then, and then you see Tony Schiavone. Now he's starting to do the DMD stuff, which is now going to start coming cringeworthy because, like, I'm like, man, we don't really need Schiavone doing that too. Because <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just, I just feel like, I just feel like, like Tony Schiavone's like trying to be this young hip guy, like trying to. Man, hang please don't, Tony. Just be the announcer and uh and a sit down interview. Like that's it. Exactly. Uh, Dynamite next week. Matt Jackson and the Good Brothers take on Eddie Kingston, Penta, and Frankie Kazarian. Andrade sits down with Jim Ross. Orange Cassidy versus Cesar Bononi. Two-on-one handicap match between Sky and Paige versus Darby Allen. MMA rules cage fight between Jake Hager versus Wardlow. They're pushing up Jake Hager's undefeated in Bellator, which he is, except he has one, none, he has one no contest where he purposely kicks someone literally right in the balls. So, Okay. Um, Cody Rhodes and Brock Anderson versus QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. And for July 26th, that's the live show on Saturday. It's Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy. And literally at 11.30, well, it was like 11.43 actually, they announced the main event. And I did not even know what the hell this main event was. It was Hangman Page and 10 versus Team Taz. And I was like, this is what your main event is at 11.43 you announced? I'm like, ugh. I was like, this is terrible. And literally, I flip over to the ESPN game, and it's the Suns <laughs> up by 10 on the Denver Nuggets in the third quarter. I'm like, why the fuck would I even want to watch this match? I'm like, I said, fuck this. So I literally watched the rest of the NBA game and caught the match at 4 a.m. And I was like, I said, I am not watching no damn Hangman and 10 versus Team Taz at 11.45 at night on a Friday night. On a Friday night, yeah. And then then at 4 a.m., I catch this match. And I actually was so happy I didn't catch this match. Because I was like, the entire match was poor Hangman and 10. We're not even the focal point of the story. It was about Team Taz breaking up anyway. So Ricky Starks in the finish tries to hand Brian Cage the FTW belt. Brian Cage is like all of us. He throws the damn belt into the crowd because he doesn't even want the damn belt no more. And then Ricky Starks says, you're being an idiot. And then he slaps him. And then (laughs) Brian Cage runs off looking for Starks. Hook tries to go after Cage. Hobbs is left. And Hobbs is like, what the hell is going on? And then to overcomplicate a finish, it should have just been Hobbs losing with a buckshot lariat. But no, they had to have. Hobbs looked like he had to beat up 10 again and all this, and then Hobbs loses off a tag to Hangman for the buckshot lariat. And negative one and the rest of the Dark Order came out, and the Dark Order and Hangman drunk a beer, and negative one drunk of water. 
<laughs> and that was all of AEW Dynamite. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this okay, show here what... was some bull. I was like, man, I said, what a filter show. And then people went on Twitter and said, man, AEW had a great show. I'm like, no, they didn't. I said, this show. Was I mean, I would this say it's decent. I wouldn't say it's it was great. okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was decent. Like it was a passable show, but it was still some wacky money. Smackdown, I think Smackdown. Smackdown definitely won the night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, as far as the viewership fun, goes and whatever yeah. that music numbers on Nielsen ratings come out, they're never going to maintain I, that. But. I, I will say, though, I love the SmackDown show way better than AEW because this yeah. AEW show to me, and for some reason, AEW on Fridays does not hit well. They are it not doesn't. Good on yeah, the, it really doesn't. It feels weird sometimes because, like, I'll, I'll be done watching SmackDown, and then the game is on, and then I'm like, "Oh snap, AEW!" Like sometimes exactly. I forget. Right. Exactly. And and especially and, when and you I'm got not... the playoffs, right? Yeah. Sorry, my fault. Especially when you got the playoffs still going on, and you still got the NHL playoffs going on, and you still got baseball too. There's other stuff that still is on at ten o'clock, and more likely that's like the late night prime time, like couple hours. So a lot of those adults is really gonna be watching some other stuff, like Adult Swim, perfect prime example, or any of the movies, shit like that. Fridays know people people go out to bars and anything like that. So who's really gonna be at home? Yeah. Watch the stuff at ten o'clock. You know what I'm saying? So that's a difficult time block to really be on. That's why you see the news at ten o'clock. Yeah. And and what's not good about these AEW shows is they they've all been all skippable really because the last three weeks have just not been anything to really write home about like like I felt like this main event segment of AEW was just not anything good but on SmackDown you got everything that you wanted you know in the feud that you that you were seeing and you know and and then even two week and then last week we had Dustin Rhodes Nick Camarado where Dustin Rhodes won that. Which was a little weird, and then you know, and and the, now the first Friday show they did was actually good, but the last two weeks have just been just they've just been throwaway shows, and they've not been nothing to just go home and talk about, you know. And I, I will say this here though, if you say that, if you say, it, and and this is pretty much just a this is pretty much like a cardinal rule, I guess. If you say AEW was better than SmackDown. Then you know people are going to agree with you. If you say SmackDown's better than AEW, people are just going to say, "Oh, you just like a one-hour soap opera drama." So, so you don't. So you're not going to win with anything. Um, how about this here though? We've had four games since uh, Thursday. We had Brooklyn, Milwaukee. That we that game was actually live the last time we did Keeping It 200 episode 21. And we didn't really talk about that at, as much because that game was kind of like live. And Milwaukee was up at one point. Um, and then Milwaukee beat Brooklyn 86-83. This was the probably the lowest scoring like playoff game of the <laughs> year, honestly, um, because both teams – and Kevin Durant, 11 of 28, 30 points. He almost had the game winner um, on 10 rebounds. Kyrie Irving, 9 of 22, 2 of 8 from 3, 22 points, 5 rebounds and assist. Um, Bucks, however, you know, they were up 30 to 11 at the end of the first quarter. Then they let the Nets score 31 to 15 on them. And the final fourth quarter only had 37 points combined for both teams. Uh, Chris Middleton, 12 of 25, 3 of 6, 35 points um, after Middleton started off this game very, very, um, very, very bad. You know, and, you know, Middleton got, Middleton to me was not like, he proved that 
he can be the second best scorer, but he really struggled to be the second best scorer for this team. Giannis was 14 of 31, one of eight from three, 33 points, 14 rebounds. Middleton, like I've said, 35 points, 15 rebounds. Drew Holiday, four of 14, one of four from three, nine points. P.J. Tucker, who's supposed to be this Kevin Durant stopper, only had zero points in 32 minutes. So <laughs> he didn't even have a steal or a block either. I'm like, no, but he's no for one other thing, though. The... <laughs> um, both teams shot under 40%. Bucks shot 19% from three. They were 6 of 31. The Nets were 8 of 32 on 25%. Nets could have actually won this game if Bruce Brown didn't want to hit a Carlton Banks shot. <laughs> Bruce Brown with the ball in the end. This poor dumb motherfucker, Bruce Brown, really told two of the best scorers in the NBA, said, nah, I got this. And the motherfucker just blows it. I'm like... You dumb son of a bitch. I'm like, no. I'm like, you just cost everybody money. Like, you really did. <laughs> they should have been up 3-0. And Bruce Brown actually cost them the game. I I, I was just so shocked. I, I, and, he was, and, he, and I was just like, I, I was laughing my ass off about that. I really was. Um, um, Bucks were, though, up by most of 21 point, at one point. It was seven ties, six lead changes. Bucks had more points in the paint, 38 to 32. Um, but this was really just a game that, you know, it was actually a defensive game. Like, and for teams, and I guess, like, I guess the most thing that we've been shocked about this entire series was that both teams, we did not think were actually going to be playing this good of defense through four games. Or, sorry, three games. I didn't think this. I really didn't think that we were going to see this much of great defense, but the Nets are proven they can play defense, and the Bucks are proven they can at least slow down Kyrie, and they and they had Kevin Durant had a bad game shooting. Um, what was your guys' thoughts on this game? Mm-hmm. It was a Giannis, Giannis needs it to stop trying to shoot threes. <laughs> I told I told y'all that this was going to happen. Like the new this new version of the NBA is all designed about uh, it's all about the three pointers now. We see LeBron doing now. We see Arthur Cooper try to do it, and that's not working for him. Hence why you can't imitate a Steph Curry. You can't imitate a Clay Thompson. You can't imitate a Jason Tatum. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just can't imitate what's, what skills are you just born with, what you're gifted with. So I wouldn't be surprised that you see Arthur Kumbo, tall as he is, still can't hit that with free throws. <laughs> still laughing at that. So if you can't hit a three, if you can't hit a fucking free throw, then your chances are you should be worried about that before worrying about hitting a fucking three point shot. I'm. Yeah. But yeah, I Bucks, will say I will. I'll say, give credit oh, to Bucks. Yeah. Uh, I got give, yeah, I got give credit defense. to Chris Milton. I did say in the last episode that he needs to step up if you want to be that second person that they need. Coming on that team that needs to score twenty five to thirty points. Exactly that happened last night. But as, as you said um, earlier, Z, um, he had to like work at it. But looking at comparing to the other teams that they were facing before they was facing Brooklyn. Exactly, and and I will say this here though, it, you know, Drew Holiday, in my opinion, you know, I don't think he's been an improvement in the second round because the entire point of getting rid of Eric Bledsoe was literally that they were supposed to be better and with drew holiday they're not better technically they're really not because you know they're still struggling 
And Holiday's not being an offensive guy where he's, you know, passing the ball and leading this team in assists and stuff. This is it's it's gonna be tough for Milwaukee right now because they, they got this victory yeah. and they escaped by it. You know, it when's the next game I'm gonna check right now for it. They play tomorrow, right? Or the Yep, su- yep, Sunday. It will be at three PM Tomorrow at three thirty, yeah. Yep, yep. And oh. then and then of course the Suns and Nuggets play their game four um <laughs> Sunday as well. And 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 literally it's it's just like it was just to me like right now I don't think Milwaukee's winning game four. I think Brooklyn is going to be able to. I think Brooklyn's definitely going to be able to bounce back and win this game. It's no question right there. Well, we um, know James Harden. He's still out with that hamstring injury. Um, so that's been announced earlier today. But um, as far as that's concerned, I don't know about that one though because I feel like I feel like the rest are going to have something to do with this. And some shitty scrawny couple of plays is going to. Give the tip of scales more Milwaukee's favor when it comes to the four. I I I I just got this feeling though that Brooklyn's just going to kill Milwaukee next game. I just do, and you I know, think so, and, so and, and and Milwaukee I'm, really Milwaukee, did get lucky. If they, 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 that Bruce Brown, yeah. if Bruce Brown does not you know lose this game and Kevin Durant makes the game winner, we're we're looking at three zero Nets right now. Um, Jazz beat the Clippers. Or, yeah, because uh, Jazz beat the Clippers Thursday night, 117-111. Joe Ingles, like you said, Blackheart, he needed to step up. He was 7 of 10, 4 of 7 from 3, 19 points, a plus-minus of 21. He led the team in that. Donovan Mitchell. So I would have won last night. Oh, I would have won that bet last night. Wow. And Donovan Mitchell, 15 of, 19, 15 of 29, 6 of 12, 37 points. Um, You had Gobert of 4 of 5. Uh, 20 rebounds, 13 points, uh, three block shots, two steals. Um, and then the Clippers, Kawhi was 8 of 17, um, 21 points. Paul George really did not have a good night shooting. Um, eight of 18, <laughs> Trash. Uh, yeah, Paul points, George. 10, 10, 10 rebounds, 6 George assists. Paul. It, and, and, <laughs> and, 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 Paul, and Paul George does not have those nine free throws we're really looking at. How bad, you know, Paul George game was. Reggie Jackson is literally the Clippers' second best scorer on this team. He might actually be the best scorer on the Clippers in this series. Eleven of nineteen, four of eight from three. Yeah, he's points. been. Very... He almost gave the Clippers the win there. Yeah, definitely. Exactly, and poor Reggie Jackson. I mean, he really. I mean, I mean this man really needs to get away from the Clippers because. Man, Reggie Jackson is actually proven in this playoffs he can really be a really good offensive player. Yeah. And 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 I don't think he's and and I think and I think of anybody in this playoffs when it comes to the offseason either he's going to get traded to a team that's better or you know when he or when he's ready to be a free agent, he's going to get a good contract from somebody. So, um Luke Kennard who had a great game 1 had a bad game too. He only was one of one, three points. Wait, Z. Minutes, so. so one suggestion then: trade Kemba for Reggie then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, yo, Boston fans would have probably scrutinized me for that move. I might, but think about it. He wants a big contract. We can free him some space by trading Kemba over there. So they still got him for two years to bounce back with. It's a perfect stretch. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. It does seem like it would work. It does. Um, it, other than that, though, the Clippers. You know, 
they've shot 47% from the field. Um, Jazz were 55%. Jazz, 20 of 39 from three in this game. Uh, the Clippers were 11 of 30. Um, like, uh, like I've said, you know, there's not really much to write home about this game. Jazz with Mitchell just plays so much better offensively. Even Jordan Clarkson, 9 of 15, 6 of 9 from three on 24 yep. points. Uh, what was your guys' thoughts on this game? Kind of expected, yeah, I kind of expected the Clippers to kind of bounce back, but I failed at that mission. So, uh, yeah, the yeah. Bounce so back. Paul, George Paul disappointed me again. I felt like Skip Bayless after watching that game. <laughs> I felt like Skip when he threw Kawhi's shoes at Jenny Tap by accident. <laughs> Just this was like a week ago, and I'm like, come on, bro. Like, what's wrong with this heat? It's like see that like, y'all love to play from behind to create this Cinderella story. How we nearly lost this series and then we win it again, and then now we go to Western Conference Finals. Don't be giving that fake ass excuse to Phoenix because they're playing like no, they want to yeah, win that battle. Lights out. So don't be misconstruing that young, experienced team, especially with a especially with a leader like Chris Paul that they got right about now. Chris Paul should be saying to himself, "If I don't make this happen." Bro, I swear to you, I am probably going to sign a max deal anywhere the fuck I can, bankrupt a team, and just say, hey, I'm only in it for the stats. I'm not in it for the championship no more. And I don't want him doing that. He's so close. He's in the right predicament right now. So if Chris Paul fails because now playoff P or slumpy P, whatever that we can try to call him next, can't get his act together, He Kawhi is definitely going to leave this offseason if they lose. Kawhi should definitely walk up the door, and three options just came into play. New, the Knicks, someone said the Lakers, but I really don't think that's really not going to happen. If that's the case, LeBron would have to probably have a hissy fit, but then again, he'll quietly have a hissy fit for it. And then as he transitions over, what if he gets shoved the way that Tom Brady got shoved out of New England? And they do the same thing to him to bring him in. I don't think that's really going to work out. But another team... That can use Kawhi services. Um, Golden State. Golden State, too. But that's probably going to cause a nice little chunk of change. And who's going to really be the scapegoat to be the training pieces? I'm not saying too sure about that one. Unless Draymond Green has to go, I could sacrifice him. Whatever. But I, heard the, but I heard the Miami Heat, too. And I said, Jimmy Butler? Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler could get traded. They probably could use him as a piece. The main piece. And someone else would have to go, like Tyler Hero or somebody. But doesn't need to hear it there. But I'm sorry, Clippers fans. I lost faith in y'all since last season. I mean, since the last series with them, with Dallas should have won it. But you know, what what, what can we feel? Uh, Tavon Ash, what was your guys' thoughts on the game? I mean, I'm not surprised. I I, I said it from the beginning. I, the Clippers is not a team to be trusted. No, a bunch of fucking letdowns is what the fuck it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. Mitch, wow, what a what a great player D Mitch is. He's just so and good. um and uh, what's that um Morris Senior and shit like that? What kind of shit was he doing <laughs> in that game? <laughs> like he's like really trying to shoot on threes. I'm like, bro, you're not even a decent thirty five percent three point shooter. Like, cut the shit. Stick to what the fuck that you know. You are a big rough bruiser. Get in the lane, get fouls, and go to the fucking line. That's your job. Not not be a fucking three point shooter. You already have three point shooters for those. Why is people playing out of positions for? 
Morris fits better with us. <laughs> like, oh my god, wait, yo, wait, he was with us. Oh my god, he was perfect. He said he, he was yo, he was perfect for the system. He was perfect for defense, and that's all that we really needed him for. We needed an enforcer type of guy on our squad. And and barking at Tristan. Oh, I loved it. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what the fuck I love too. Yes, that that's what I appreciate the from Celtics, them. That's them, what the Celtics need too. Toughness. They they're not tough. right. We are a blue collar team. So what the blue collar mean? You gotta get your hands dirty. You gotta get scraped up. You might have to play hurt, but you but you're doing it because you know that you are a essential instrument to the system. You know what I'm saying? Here's why we already talked about this before. That I did with the trade market spot. You're trading away the heart and soul of this team. The same way Golden State would ever traded Steph Curry. You're trading away not just the franchise, but the heart and soul of the team. I agree. Um, I, I will. I will say though that um, Tavon, what was your thoughts on the game? I, I don't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> At this point, I mean, I mean, it was pretty much a close game, a nail biter, basically. I mean, Clippers almost had this game, and the Jazz won it. At this point, I mean, the Clippers, they need to bounce back for game three. And if they don't do that, I mean, man, it's over. Yeah. I don't know what to say, honestly, about that. I, I will say, though, um, the Clippers were down 2-0 last series to Dallas. So let's. So I don't want to be going off the rails yet. And, like, the Clippers did come back from 0-2 last series. So maybe it might happen again. But um, with Tyron Lue's coaching right now – I don't know. I, I don't have. I don't. I don't have a lot of faith in this Tyrone Lue coaching because I, I maybe, maybe Tyrone Lue is just not the right playoff coach when you think about it because it's it's starting to, it's starting to really show. You know, there's a lot of cracks now starting to show. Patrick Beverly even played a lot more minutes in Game Two than he's played in a lot of the Dallas series. So um, he actually played a lot more in Game Two than he did ever in the um, Dallas series because in the first two games he was guarding Luca and remember he couldn't even stop Luca so. And and Luke Kennard, who was who was uh, who did have a good game one, only had ten minutes, and you know, and they and they're not even using their centers right neither with uh, bits of Subox. He was he played less than thirteen minutes. Yeah, you um, gotta put Subox back in there. Exactly, and 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 it's just and it's just like Tyron Lue. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. This this is it, Tyron Lue is literally getting out coached in this playoffs by. By either Rick Carlisle or Quinn Snyder, and it's it, it really shows now. It it just does. I mean, um, it does, but only when like I'm guessing like when certain people sit out and they like they come in and shit like that. And depending on those type of adjustments, and that's just what like the depth of the bench comes is and becomes some of the play. So whoever did Zubas, yeah, he yeah he did his part last night too. So um. That's one of the things that like you have to avoid if you're a team like the Clippers. That maybe if Paul George don't score, you might never fucking know. Right? I mean, a Reggie Jackson or someone coming off the bench, uh, and then we even seen some part of Cousins come out last night for the first time in the series. Or ever since he's been actually on that team, he actually got some minutes in, surprisingly. Yeah, and Demarcus Cousins, um, what you call? You know, it with it. I wish that, that we actually sad. would see if yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I wish the Demarcus Cousins thing. I wish he wasn't so derailed by the injuries over the last few years because he could have really. I mean, Demarcus Cousins. I mean, you're starting to see now that you know when you get all those knee injuries, it starts to show. But really, um, I really wish 
Demarcus Cousins that we would have seen like the Sacramento Kings or the New Orleans Pelicans Demarcus Cousins in this the series Sacramento because King it, him. yeah he would have been a top draw a top um trading um piece that any team would have loved to have as long as his injury would have been straight and that's so exactly. sad that's why I was like damn man. his shit was just been derailed by bad attitude and suspension technicals and injuries. Yeah, and and um, Friday, um, games we had two games on Friday, June eleventh. Sixers beat the Hawks one twenty seven one eleven. The game was never close in any. Right, I got robbed out of that game. And and actually seventy one percent. Did you guys did you guys know that eighty percent of the money was on seventy sixers winning this game over the Hawks? Seventy one percent said that the Hawks was going to cover the. One and a half over the Hawks. So well, they played good last year last night. And and so America was right. So America was right last night. America, was, fuck um, you. Had... Did you know what's right <laughs> or what's wrong? We don't want to go into the whole racial epidemic and shit like that. I don't want to have to go that fucking far with this. But America, you're wrong for that shit. You so y'all know what the fuck y'all want to talk about in sports. But yeah, when it comes to racial profiling and shit like that. You mean to tell me that you want to keep your mouth closed? Please. Fuck out. Suck my dick on that one. I felt like Chuck every time he tried to make a bet on which team is going to make it past the, um, past the playoffs and go straight into the finals. I felt, I, felt, I felt like Charles Barkley last night. I really felt like him last night. I felt, I felt if I were to bet 100 grand, I probably would have owed like 350 I will say though this year the the Sixers they shot sixty percent from the field, forty eight percent from three. Mm. Um, Trey Young nine of seventeen, three of six from three, twenty eight points. Um, Bogdan seven of thirteen, nineteen points. Um, Clint Capella was three of eight, eight points, but he had sixteen rebounds. John Collins ten of fourteen, twenty three points. Uh, John Collins was actually stat padding in the fourth quarter. I saw that shit. So John Collins stats were not as good as what it's coming off to be. Um, Tobias Harris ten of sixteen, twenty two points. Jordan Bead seven of fourteen, um, twelve of sixteen. He had twenty seven points. Jordan Bead actually got injured in this game, but he stayed in the game and everything. But the Hawks fans were actually cheering about that. They were actually cheering. It's just on ESPN. They did not want to talk about that. Um, Embiid nearly even had a triple-double, too. Ben Simmons, 7 of 11, 4 of 8 from 3 – sorry, 4 of 8 from the free throw line. Um, 18 points, 7 assists. Um, You know, it just – and to me, this was just like the game that Philadelphia – just finally, it finally looked like Philadelphia really looked like they're they're actually supposed to be like winning these games like this. And the Hawks now now their maturity is starting to honestly you know show in this postseason now because you know Gallinari was four of nine with seventeen points, but the rest of the bench was just not doing anything. Kevin Herter one of six, one of five from three. Lou Williams came in for the three of seven, eight points, you know. It, but this was just a game where it honestly felt like the Sixers finally looked like they actually should have been winning games like this the entire time. And now the Sixers win this game three with a, with just a clean cruise through game three. Um, what What is your guys' thoughts on this game? And how do you think game four is going to now wrap for the Sixers? Y'all can go first, man. Like, listen, I got a lot of this. <laughs> I got a lot of anger to, to, to let out. 
a good game for the 76ers. I figured that they would win on the road. Yeah. How is Atlanta going to respond to game four? I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. I feel like with Atlanta, it's like if their shooting is hot, they could win game four. But if if they're not shooting well from threes, then they pretty much they have no chance. It, it'll, it'll look a lot like game three if they shoot poorly. Most importantly, is their defense. Is their defense. That's what – is it something that's, that's not fair for Atlanta? They're not a straight, like, defensive team. They're more of an offensive team, as, as, as we all see about the high-point scorers and everything like that. So when you're going against a rough team like the 76ers, looking at that lineup right there, and B doesn't mind getting his hands dirty. Ben Simmons knows how to match with the ball, but he's but he's also big enough to actually take a hit or two. So you got to get physical with them, and you can't do it with the small lineup that they got. So I can't. I want to buy into this Trey Young thing, but Trey Young can't do it by himself, especially as you look at the NBA. So about dynamic duels or the super big three, shoot up big three teams, and Trey's only one person, so he needs to help around him, and, and they're not going to do it, and they can't do it. Because looking at the line across from them, they're more talented and they're more better coached by Doc Rivers himself. I wish we would have brought his ass back. Well, I got some uh, and how about this year, though? In our last game of Friday, it was the Suns going up 3-0 on the Nuggets. However, this was not a game that you um, – Nikila Jokic, who did shoot 13-29, 1 of 6 – from three, he had 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. He actually had a 30-20-10 game. Um, incredible game. However, there's no help around the Joker, and now it's starting to show. Austin Rivers, 2 of 5, 5 points. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., 5 of 13, 4 of 7 from three, 15 points. This was actually his best game, actually, in this entire series because he had two steals. We um, had Aaron Gordon, 2 of 10. Four points in 35 minutes. That's not going to get you wow. right there. Aaron uh, Gordon, why Hart- the fuck do you get traded the fuck over there? Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, remember the Celtics were going to get Aaron Gordon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Was, um, but the bargain asking price that they was asking for was way too high for a talent like that. And, and then, then they, not and, and then not finding the fact smart. that he can't even be a but but for me the fact is that he's not even a defensive player. He's more of an offensive player. We don't need that. And Will Barton, 6 of 14, 2 of 7 from 3, 14 points. Monte Morris actually stepped it up big time, 8 of 12, 3 of 5 from 3, 21 points. However, Phoenix proved that, you know, their defense held Denver to under 42% in the field, 35% from 3, and Phoenix just has the ball way better. They 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 move the ball way better as an offense, and they play great defense. Chris Paul, 9 of 16, 27 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Cameron Payne, 4 of 7, 9 points off the bench. Uh, Sarge, 2 of 3, 7 points off the bench. Mikhail Bridges, 4 of 8, 11 points. Crowder, 5 of 9, 14 points. DeAndre Ayton, only 4 of 8 with 10 points, 15 rebounds, which is, you know, even with very little of DeAndre Ayton, they still were able to win 116-102. And Devin Booker, 11 of 23, 2 of 7 from 3. But 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, uh, a steal. 
just good stuff from Phoenix. Phoenix just moves the ball better offensively, and Phoenix actually is probably two words. Chris fucking Paul. Two words. CP3. That is the motherfucking maestro. That shoulder is healthy. He is you know, he is locked on. He's focused. He ain't gonna worry about LeBron anymore. He's not buying into this whole Kawhi and Paul Jewish shit. He's looking at the roster that he got. He's like, yo, this is the best roster that I got around me since the Clippers with that racist ass owner. But now we got a chance right here. Now it's a new dawn and a new day. He's thirty six years old. He got the chip on his shoulder. He's playing like it. I will say, though, that I love everything right now about Phoenix. I think Phoenix is probably the best offense right now in the Western Conference because hey, – hey, 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 one more thing, too. This also reminds you of the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Tyson Chandler, um, Jerry Dully, Josh Richardson's um, Phoenix Suns from back in the day. Yeah, yep, 2000. Yep, yep, 2010. Yep, where Kobe Bryant and the Lakers – Beat them in six, and Kobe won his uh, fifth and final ring that year over the Celtics in um, seven games. So, um, and you know, Phoenix Suns though, they're to me everything that I, everything right now you can't say anything bad about Phoenix. They they play defense, they play great offense, and there's literally nothing bad that you can honestly say about the Suns team. The Suns were up by twenty at one point. They never they only changed the lead two times. There was only one tie, and that was early in the games. Uh, Tavon Ashwood. Another this great Phoenix team is scary. Suns. I'm, well, they're they're just they're just they're just on a roll. All right, and and that they are really on the first roll. They they are they are, and and right now. There's nothing bad that you can say about Phoenix. There really isn't. Everything Phoenix is doing, Phoenix is doing right. One game on tap of tonight, that's the Jazz Clippers. That is 8.30 p.m. That goes um, head-to-head with the UFC prelims on the ESPN card. So this game will be on ABC, I believe. Um, The Jazz are the underdog plus five in L.A. tonight. Um, The Clippers are a minus five favorite in the point spread, meaning the Clippers have to win by six or more. For the Jazz, they have to lose by five or less. Um, Clippers are actually the money line favorite at minus 210, which is very shocking. The over-under on this game is 222 points. I'm going to go ahead and go first. I say Jazz plus five, over 222. Um, what do you guys think? Jeez, like I said, I have no faith in, uh, P-P-W-P, as I want to call it. P-W-P. Slumpy P. Okay, P-W-P. I'm calling it Slumpy P. <laughs> Slumpy P, Pee P, George Paul, whatever the fuck they want to call him, he doesn't even deserve those monarchs and name. He doesn't even deserve. He doesn't even deserve his government name right now. He will say we used to call him unknown. He is an unknown clipper. I don't have no, no animosity towards it. I do not believe in the hype anymore. Bring me back the Paul. I mean, bring me back the Paul George from India and the Pacers, as I discussed for the last two episodes. Two episodes. So, which means, Paul Joyce, if you can't get back to your old motherfucking stuff, then you should not be on that team. This whole Clippers team should be disbanded. Tavon, uh, um, Ash, who you guys got tonight? The plus five Jazz or the minus five Clippers? Uh, This is a must win for the Clippers. Um, Yes. if, If they don't win tonight, it's over. Um... I'm 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 gonna go with Utah. I I think Utah, they 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 
they get another win. All right. Well, this is my um, last chance for the Clippers. I'll, I'll give the Clippers one more chance, and if they lose, uh, that's pretty they much it. Up the program, man. Get fucked up the program, and I like this shit. I, I will say this here though, I've got the Jazz plus five and I've done said the over two twenty two. The over two twenty two is actually very shocking because like like I I think if I'm anybody that's betting, you know, over two hundred and twenty two points, both these teams, I do have a feeling that they're gonna you know, that's one eleven each for each team. I think that's gonna easily be something to get. Um how about this here though? In the over points tonight, Kawhi Leonard is a minus buck fifty for over 28 points. He's plus 117 at under 28 points. I'm going to take the plus 117 on the Kawhi Leonard thing. So um, that's easy. Paul George, um, it's a minus 106 for him to have over 25 points, minus 121 for him under 25 points. So even the odds makers don't believe that Paul George can get 25 points like that. So I'm going to be taking them better aside on this one. Shit. And, and I will say this here, though, because he's got such a little low number, and I don't understand why. Reggie Jackson, the odds makers only have him getting 15 points, um, and his under is the same thing at under 15 points. And it's at minus 113, a $100 bet would give you an $89 payout, which means that would be 189 So in my opinion, if I'm any betters, just buy into the Reggie Jackson over 15 points because you know Reggie Jackson is going to get the ball and you know he's going to be the best scorer on this Clippers team right now. So I, I don't understand why you're not going with that. Donovan Mitchell is a minus 105 for over 32 points, minus 122 for under um, – 32 points. I'm going to say he gets 32 points easily because I don't I don't see no reason why 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 that should be even a case as well. So um and then of course we get into some NHL stuff because Tavon and Blackheart were on the last episode with me, Ash, and you missed this episode. Um I don't know if you caught it on Spotify or not. It was a 3-hour episode. But they were so wrong. They said that the they said that the Colorado Avalanche were going to a game seven against the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights beat the Avalanche 6-3 in game six. Golden Knights, by the way, were a plus 550, which means if you had bet $100, you would have won $650 when they were down 0-2 and came back and won four straight. 63% of America also believed that the Colorado Avalanche were going to a game seven. 39%, like myself, said Golden Knights are taking this and man were we right on the money and with the NHL games right now the Golden Knights have opened at a minus 500 to win this series against the Montreal Canadiens here's what you need to know about the Canadiens though and the Golden Knights the Canadiens have five starters all have been in the Stanley Cup finals and all have won even with their captain Eric Stahl who was a 2006 Carolina Hurricanes member that won the Stanley Cup. And to win the Cup, the Montreal Canadiens are 10-1. to 1. The Golden Knights are a plus 125. For the Islanders and Lightning in the East, which me and Blackheart are disgusted with because both our teams were eliminated by each <laughs> The uh, Tampa Bay yeah. is a minus 300 to win. And the New York Islanders are a plus 240 to win the series. And Tampa Bay is a plus 150 to win the cup. And the Islanders actually have a 6-1 to one chance. So 
I'm putting everybody on this spot here now because there's only four teams left, so now it should be easy. Because you know, in you know, if anybody misses up, it's fine. Who's winning these um, series here? Do um, are we seeing uh, which? Because I'm gonna go ahead and give my prediction. I say we're getting the Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup. What about you guys? Okay, um, so. Well, I'm not, well, I don't like nothing about New York, so fuck the Islanders in this case. So yeah. I'm really praying for their downfall in this within five to six games. So I'm going to go with Tampa because Tampa's yeah, been ever since, ever since Tampa, ever since Tom Brady's been the fuck down there, and they won the previous one. So I'm going to go with the defending champs on this one when it comes to Tampa Bay. But as far as the Western Conference is concerned, as far as United's, yeah, you might hate me for this. And I'm not the one that's, um, well, us Bruins, we hate the Canadians anyway, so I shouldn't even be even encouraging this. But I got to go with the Canadians. I'm so fucking sorry. I got to say that. Yes, I know, Ross, I'm sorry. <gasps> I'm sorry. I know I am fucking sorry. But something deep in my heart, this is the Canadians' time. They, you know, they've been waiting for this moment for, God damn it. I guess in how many decades has it been? What, 50 something years? Since their last Stanley Cup appearance and they're finally breaking the travesty, the barrier that's been controlled by the Maple Leafs, that been, uh, that been controlled by, um, who's the other, uh, hockey team that's up there? Um, Montreal. Um, no, excuse me. Wait. Um, um, Vancouver and Montreal. And there's one other team that's up there. Oh, and Calgary, the Flames. Excuse me. So, um, just seeing, just seeing that just astonished me. So I'm like, this is the time to break that barrier, man. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Wow. Well, the Canadians, by the way, have last time they won the Stanley Cup Finals, 1993. Do you, you, you guys want to know what the number one movie and I was born that time was? It better be the Mighty Ducks. No, it was actually Schindler's List. Get the fuck out of here. And the Cowboys won that, that year. <laughs> and WrestleMania 9 happened that year. I was born Jesus. that year. <laughs> I was three years old probably watching the Mighty Ducks movie by that time period. Oh my god. Wow, the year I, I was born. That's crazy. Uh, That's uh, nice. Um, <laughs> you want to talk about exposing age? Well, we just did it again. <laughs> wow. um, how, about, how about this here though um, Ash, Tavon, who you guys got going to the Stanley I'm going to say Tampa Tampa for sure and I'll say the Golden Knights okay, Tampa Golden Knights Tavon uh, Tampa versus the Canadians making a big mistake Jaddy <laughs> Um, yeah, so so you said Tampa for sure, and then Golden Knights or Canadians? The Canadians. Canadians? Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see how this all plays. Well, we will um, see how this all plays out, though. Um, um, what you call it, though? Um, how about this here, though? For tomorrow's games, though? On three three o'clock, we've got the Nets, Bucks. Point spread for the Nets is minus two. Their money line at mon- at minus one twenty seven. 
Bucks are plus two at home, plus 107 as the underdogs at home. So who you guys like? Um, Nets um, to just win out this point spread, or are you just going to take the money line? I say Nets. Yeah, I say Nets win. I say the Nets. I say Mo. Yeah, no matter of fact, I got no faith in Milwaukee no more. Um, so Nets, I'm going with the Nets. Sorry, it's going to be three one. Yeah, I got the Nets too going three one. They they're the minus two favorite, and I think yeah. the Nets are definitely covering that. <laughs> eight o'clock. Nets. Yeah, eight o'clock. Suns got a chance to just go ahead and sweep the Nuggets out. Um, this will be going on uh, against Takeover. So Suns minus three. They're the minus one forty eight money line. Jazz are the plus three um, underdogs at plus one twenty. Who you guys got winning this? Because I've got the Suns minus three. The Suns they've been winning every game by double digits. <laughs> um, yeah, so they going to the going for the sweeps. Going for the sweep. I'll be watching in your house, but. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, me too as well. Um, but I just got the Suns winning this minus three. Um, I will I will say this year though because everybody is on here tomorrow night and uh, well tonight actually tonight we're actually gonna have the UFC post show UFC three that's late, late at night. Um, everybody is well, more than welcome to come. I don't know if you guys are going to p- see the pay-per-view, but if you don't, I will be discussing the main card only. No, no prelims. If someone does come in and has watched the prelims, they will actually get a chance to speak as much as they want about the prelims and everything. Um, but if they don't, then we're just going to get into the main card. And for tomorrow, Tavon and Ash, we've got um, around Sunday afternoon, we're going to have NFL betting odds and stuff going on. So we're actually going to be talking yeah. about the win totals. We're going to be talking about who's winning the Super Bowl, who's winning the conference of each division. And, yeah, and then Sunday night, right after takeover, we're going to have a takeover post show oh. where everybody's going to be able to get in on this. Oh. You know, I'm going to mm. be giving out star ratings. So so, so, so there's going to be some people that okay, are going to – <laughs> so there's gonna be people. So there's gonna be people that are gonna get pissed off by some star rating because yeah. I, but I'm, but hey, I've got, I don't mind the star ratings. I mean, I just don't pull the big Meltzer shit on us, man. Because if you do, I might have to counteract that one. Like, wait, hold on. <laughs> shit, I would love. Uh, you know, I'll pull out. I'll pull. Uh, listen, I'll pull a juke on it. I'm gonna actually do it fast and make your head spin. <laughs> I, I, so, so we've got those shows coming up all tomorrow and stuff. Um, so, so that's good stuff right here, though. Um, any um, other thoughts on the keeping it two hundred before we close out tonight? Um, for anything, um, anybody's got the floor. Go ahead and take it now. Well, I heard about that Samoa Joe could be going to NXT. Oh yeah, I, I heard that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, to me, I, I'm. I have very little doubts in this story right now because, uh, but it could happen. The other story that I have not mentioned, and I actually, and I'm surprised I did not, was the Aleister Black apparently will be going to AEW when his con when his 90 day expires. However, WWE is looking to bring him back. In my opinion, you know, to me, this is like now. This is like a really weird story to me because. I don't believe this right now because I just have very little doubts because of what what's happening right now. Because, one, 
isn't this technically like tampering in a in a big way? I mean, no offense, because if you've got if you got Dave Meltzer saying this, you know, and reporting this, saying that Aleister Black is going to go to AEW, you know, this should technically be tampering in a way because because like it's like. But how is like tampering in wrestling though if he's a free agent? But he's still got a ninety day with WWE. WWE. Yeah, but that does him. not mean that he's gonna get in the ring with. I mean, the only way he breaks it is if he gets in the ring and breaks that lease, then he can get sued for that. You know what I'm saying? That's like me going to a very new job the day after I just that I just got fired from one. You know what I'm saying? So in this case, when it comes to wrestling contracts compared to actual like employment, employment shit that we all probably have been been through and stuff like that is probably like it, 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 it's, it's a whole different prime and pro- process and transaction and shit like that how it all comes to the point. So if, if Dave Meltzer is reporting I just think he's just seen it as as in his mind, in his opinion, the best option for him is to go to AEW. And I think that's what all yeah, I think that's what all signs are pointing to unless Someone probably told him, like, yo, he had a funny feeling, like, hey, this person might come here because they talked on the phone recently, and that's what probably spurs off that whole rumor. Uh, Ash, Tavon, what's your thoughts on this? When I first um, heard about um, Samoa Joe coming back to NXT, I was like, I was like, what, well, what took them so long to realize that them letting go of Samoa Joe was a dumb decision in the first place? Like, you should have just kept them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I didn't under- I was, like, shocked when I, when I saw the news. I was like, what? Am I reading this right? Um, how about the, uh, how about this here, though? Um. But but I do gotta ask you this guys this here, this question here. Which one do you think will happen first? Do you think Aleister Black is going to AEW in August, or do you believe Samojo will be back in WWE? I'll bet more Aleister Black on the AEW more than anything else. Yeah. 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 I'll take Aleister Black. Alright. Well, how about this year though? Um Tonight, we have do got the UFC 263 card. The main event is for the UFC middleweight title. It is Israel Anya Santa. Um, if you guys do not know, Izzy is the best UFC fighter pound for pound today in some words. Uh, of course, he's only got one loss on his record. That was a light heavyweight fight against Jan Bohovic in a decision. Um, he takes on Marvin, the Italian dream, Vettatori. Marvin Vettatori is a plus 210 favorite, which means if you bet $100, you win 310 for the payout. Um, Vettatori, um, however, is looking to become the first ever-born um, Italian-born champion in the UFC's history. His last couple of wins have been against um, Jack Hermanson in December of 2020 via decision, and Kevin Holland, who he beat to get this title fight via decision back in April on ABC, uh, on the UFC on ABC2 at um, 3.30. So so that is actually how Vittatore got this here. Um, Izzy, in the press conference yesterday, asked Marvin, who have you beaten in the top ten? Just name three people. 
Marvin tries to change the subject, and Izzy says, exactly, you haven't beat nobody, you're a fucking loser, so I've got, I've got Izzy winning this, Izzy is a minus 260 favorite, this fight is technically, now, now, usually I do go with what DraftKings says, because they give out the times for what time the fights start, this fight is starting at 12.55, if all the fights are going to all its rounds and everything, and one thing about the UFC, what they do during when there's not a fight going on, they always take like a long break and like will promote their next pay-per-view card or promote or just promote stuff. So, so this UFC show that we're probably doing tonight might not start till after 1 a.m. So, so just letting everyone know that, just letting everyone know that, you know, um, so that's just how it's looking. Um, but definitely though. Um, and then of course in the co-main event, it's Davison Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno. Um, Figueredo is a minus two ten favorite. Um, Figueredo in the UFC is um, yeah. Figueredo of course he has two decisions, one via a loss and one via the draw where he had against Moreno. And this is seven months after the instant classic that ended December. With you know Figueredo and Moreno will both be looking for actually now a definitive conclusion to this. After um, everything that's happened, but I've got still got Figueredo beating Moreno. Moreno's a plus one sixty five as the underdog. So, um, yeah, uh, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz is the first UFC non co main event title fight five rounds in UFC history. Leon Edwards is a huge favorite at at minus five sixty, which means if you bet it a hundred dollars, you're only winning out eighteen dollars as a payout. Nate Diaz, though, is a plus, yeah, Nate Diaz, a plus 385 favorite, which means he'll get you $485 back if, if he were to win. Um, and and then, of course, so that's 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 pretty huge, though. Um, then we've got Paul Craig, Jamal Hill. They'll open up the card more than likely. And Damian Maya takes on Bilal Muhammad. So those are the other two fights on the tap for the five-fight card. And... Yeah, um, I will say this here, though. Um, what I would bet for in the Izzy fight, though, is Israel Anyasanta in all of his fights, they usually go to five-round decisions because Izzy's one of the type of guys that doesn't really have, like, the combo moves to just end a fight in the first two rounds. However, he did do that, though, whenever he um, – because who did he beat at the fight island? Because – let me check and see. Because in the, in the Fight Island fight, he um he beat this um oh thanks sorry oh there we go he beat Paul Acosta via a KO TKO in just that second round so and, but however all of Izzy's fights though since February of 2019 have been actually four decisions in and four decisions of course he's three and one. The last one, of course, he lost to Jan Bohovic. However, in the four fights that he's – however, in those four decisions that he's had since the February of 2019, only two of them have ended via a KO or a TKO. The Robert Whitaker fight that he had in October of 2019 ended in a fifth-round KO, but that still went five rounds. So I'm still saying that this is probably a fight that will go five rounds because one thing about uh, Marvin Vittatore, he's the same way as well. Marvin Vittatore doesn't really win fights as well. Um you know, both of these guys got power, but they don't have power like this here. So, I will say that there. Um, any other thoughts, though? Uh, any other things going on? Anybody else got any things going on? Um, 
Nothing at all from over here, Regis. <laughs> um Yeah, uh, yeah, so um any um so covered everything. Wow. That's actually pretty amazing. Um well, later on tonight where well, we wanna get that work in the UFC card and um see what happens. It, it's, exactly, definitely. Um but yeah, oh, and uh, also, Dark Side of the Ring. Did anybody check out the Dynamite Kid, Dark Side of the Ring? Oh, I did. Yeah, that's something that we did. That's something we can talk about too, real quick. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll go first on this. Um, um, yeah, Dynamite Kid. Ah, uh, Jesus, man, just the shit that you know people will go through when you know the upbringing. You let's rewind it back to the 80s where steroids were still active and still as um, a drug, you know, a performance enhancing drug, and that a lot of wrestlers back then were using. And some of them are really come clean about it, some of them aren't. I wish Barry Bonds would have done that scene thing too when he got caught and Mark McGuire, but that's the hero there. That's a whole, that's a whole other sport. But when it comes to this, when it comes to wrestling, though, it, it I, I, I just don't want people to look at it like it tarnishes people's legacy about what they brought to the ring as far as their work compared to what they did outside the ring and you know our imitation reality when it bleeds into that and it starts getting complicated when you know you are being told you're undersized so you gotta bulk up and especially when it was land of the giants and land of the big men back then so when that um kicked in the play for you know Dynamite Kid thank god for the British Bulldogs whoever remember them um, one of the yeah, one of the one of the great tag teams that they had, you know, in those days was about David Boy Smith, and we got to see a short run. But even so, I still acknowledge that because you know we don't get to see people like that being pushed. I mean, well, we get to see people being pushed like that nowadays, but back then it was unheard of. It was like walking on a charter territory for looking at the man's work. The man was so good. And he was the blueprint of how many of the wrestlers that we are watching right now are wrestling the similar style and using the speed. You know what I'm saying? So when we get that, we got to give appreciation. We, we got to get our appreciation. We got to give our flowers when people are here. And I'm saddened that he passed away um, a few years ago. Um, but the stories, the stories, let's get into the stories, though, how Jesus DeMonte got pumped by him, and then in the locker room, he waited with a roll of quarters and waited and punched him so hard and knocked four teeth out of his mouth. Ah, oh, shit, who would have thought that? Like, yeah, bro. And then, of course, Dino Rodwell. Now, whoever does, now, whoever hasn't watched, or who doesn't know about Dino Bravo or haven't watched the Dark Side of the Ring, the Dino Bravo story, you highly should because that would clear up some of the stuff that they were talking about in that little segment between the Marty and him, giving him a note saying that Tommy's address and stuff like that, and how that kicked into play so quickly, and now you got the Canadian mob on your ass. That's something the fuck else. And yes, folks, there is a Canadian fucking mob. Okay, like stop thinking that the mob is dead. I might like, know they are ages right now. They are just extremely low key because there's too much cameras, there's too much cell phone, too much new technology out there that they old timers don't know about, but the new guys they do. But I'm getting all over the place. But it's just a sound fortune story how stare, how Roy Rage and um steroids and painkillers are coming to play, and he ended up in the wheelchair. And that's the life of a wrestler. 
And this is why people give their all in that in that ring. So when people say that this is fake, I'm like, I don't see basketball players taking pain pills, killing those things, and killing themselves to death like that. That takes so much out of you know, so that takes so much out of a human body that I think people gotta appreciate and understand and give the appreciation with the fun that it's due. So I gotta give my flowers to him, man, because he had sacrificed a lot. And for people who are wrestlers that don't get to see their wives and children and shit like that, be grateful for the time that you have with them because shit, man, for real. I would have been I would be damned if I wouldn't be in that similar situation. And if I felt if I couldn't take it anymore, would that be more of a punk in a punk in the fans' eyes or what? I'm like, put yourself into their shoes and learn how they gotta go through everything. So I will say though this here from the from the perspective of Dark Side of the Ring, I thought the only thing that was missing from this show was I wish Bret Hart was on this show because Bret Hart really knew a lot about Dynamite Kid. He really did, but Bret was so pissed off about how the Montreal Screwjob came out on Dark Side of the Ring and how the ending was more about Jim Cornette and Vince Russo fighting, and that's why Bret Hart has not done anything with Dark Side of the Ring or will ever do anything with Dark Side of the Ring ever again from what he has said. Um, however, I've, I've posted stuff on the uh, Blackheart's uh, Facebook group of the Off the Top Rope podcast. Um, I personally thought there was a lot of things that were not covered about Dynamite Kid that should have been covered, like how the fact that he ran over his fiance to get $25,000 of an insurance policy, mm. how the fact he was a dirty worker and broke Mick Foley's jaw. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yep. And, and let's not forget, too, Dynamite Kid doing the diving off the top rope, the headbutt dive that Harley Race created. And Harley Race told Dynamite Kid, you don't want to do this because it's. Come again. Oh, wow. I think it's the signal. Oh, don't worry. He'll be back. I want to say, like, I want to say, I think we lost him. <laughs> WWE, fuck you, because you mean shit. He's probably kicked that man off his locker. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Um, but yeah, as he, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of fill in the piece while he comes back. Um, so yeah, so stuff that he was doing, yeah, for twenty five thousand dollars insurance money, ran over his wife. Um, he stiff punched Mick Foley and tried to dislocate his jaw, and he couldn't really eat for three weeks. He said, um, and several other wrestlers had come up being how stiff he was, how his backstage behavior was. It's, it wasn't just the Monty. It wasn't just. Uh, select the people that they had on the show. Like, I bet when they give up the uncut version, so like the longer version of it, or some, or some clips that wasn't me, um, that, that didn't make the cut, um, you'll see a lot more stories come out of that because there's a lot more that they haven't fit in. But, you know, we don't know what people do behind closed doors. And that's some shit that, you know, people gotta have a better understanding when it comes to these wrestlers' lives and safety and, you know, mental illness and shit like that. All that shit comes into play when it comes to this shit. So, they need to really form a union when it comes to the professional wrestling itself because a lot of people die over shit that they they go in the ring and they do for 20 plus years and then when they're done 
they got to worry about, okay, well, it's the money that I got left. It's going to be sustainable for me and my family. And what if it don't? They need some type of, like, insurance to be able to say, like, okay, well, we're safe. It's like the NFL has a – man, has a – um has a program for these retirees that have, you know, health issues and CTE issues and shit like that. Why can't professional wrestling have one? Right. But I feel that's kind of fucked up. Straight up, but that's just me. So I don't know what other people got to feel about that. How y'all feel about that? Do you think professional wrestling should have a, a wrestlers union to protect the wrestlers? Yeah, they should have a union to a certain degree, yeah. 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 Uh, I think so, too. Well, until the old man dies and someone else takes over that chance and look at it from a different perspective, I think maybe we'll probably get our chance, but we might. We don't know. We just don't know. We just don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if even the the people's eyes can really respect wrestling as a sport. I think when they start doing that, I think they'll start paying attention to it and really say, okay, this is really something um, that we need to pay pay attention to. And if they look at them as actors, then they should be treated like them. But nonetheless, folks, um, I think I think they, I think um, Nate Z hustle, as I call him. <laughs> I think he got kicked out by WWE because we talk so much trash. So I'm gonna end the show for him. Thank you, Tavon. Thank you, Ash. Catch him for joining us on today's episode of the Heavy 200 podcast. Um, we'll be back on later on tonight, around one o'clock in the morning. So if you guys are gonna be awake or stay awake, um, tune in to what me and Zach gotta talk about when it comes to the USC, and um, we'll see what happens with tonight's. Utah Jazz versus Los Angeles Clippers game four, game three, right? Game three or game four? Game, game three, I think. Game three, okay, yeah, yeah. So game, 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 all right. So game, yeah, game three tonight. So game three of the Los Angeles Clippers and um, Utah Jazz will be tonight as well. I'm Blackheart. Y'all got anything to say? Y'all got some plugins and shouts and stuff before we wrap this up. Uh, now I'm good. Ash, you? Yeah. Come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Jets3333, and that's it, pretty much. Um, okay. I wish I could have a special, um, outro song for y'all to play in the background, because nobody that's his department, but, uh, since he's been discombobulated, I'm gonna just do what I normally do. Hit! Well, OTTR takeover, man. We out here, y'all. I, uh, I bid y'all. We bid y'all adieu. Catch y'all later. Peace. See ya. Mm-hmm.